This is episode 105 for Tuesday, August 22nd, 2017, brought to you from Arlington, Texas. This week, we will continue our Basics of Beer series and feature part four, water. Welcome to Brew Styles. My name is Travis, and together with Chris, Eddie, and Sawyer, we take on the world of beer one style at a time. Each week we discuss a different style of beer and taste some of our favorites. We hope you leave with a thirst for more. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Look us up and subscribe to make sure you are kept up to date on our latest episodes. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at brew underscore styles. Drop by our website, brewstyles.com, where you can stream every episode, check out our photo gallery, and use the contact tab to send us comments and feedback. You can also find more information about the BJCP and how to become a certified beer judge. Settle in and raise a pint with us as we launch into another episode of Brew Styles. And welcome back to another episode of Bruce Styles. This is Travis, and I am glad to be here. Joined today by two individuals. To my right is Sawyer. How are you doing, Sawyer? I am swell. How are you, Travis? Doing pretty well. That's good. Have you done anything beer-related since we've last spoke, which is a couple weeks, I guess? Believe it or not, I have. I brewed a beer. Whoa! I know. I... I this is probably the first beer that I've brewed since, well, several months ago. I brewed uh, a summer ale uh, with Paradise Seeds and uh, uh, lemon and lime zest and lemon and lime juice. Can you use Paradise Seeds in this beer? I did. Wow. So um, the only thing that really sucked was um, it was really humid that night. So I uh, started siphoning the wort out of, out of the kettle into the carboy, and I left it I left the kettle sitting on this little step stool thing. Walked away from it, went inside. Next thing you know, I hear a big crash. And uh, I uh, I looked back and saw the kettle laying on the ground on its oh, side. Yeah. Lost about a gallon. Just from like, it was so humid, it was condensing and they made it slippery? I guess. I, I really don't know why it fell, huh. to be honest. Because I, I do it all the time. Yeah, so probably just a weight shifted or something. Maybe so, yeah. But anyways, I've got some beer. I've got about three and a half gallons ish. So okay, yeah, that's what I did. Nice. Do you still have your milk stout? I do still have my milk stout. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I haven't tried it in a while. Maybe I'll bring some next week. You need to drink more often. Well, I I I've almost killed that other keg uh, <laughs> of the uh, whatever it was, the English pale ale. Mm. I just you know it's so hot outside and sticky i don't really want to drink a stout yeah i understand and we're also joined today by chris i'm chris that's me and he is well rested he recovered <laughs> back back from the dead that what was that beer the double dank mr wiggles mr wiggles that did not sit with me very well so no i had to you I can to hear go. it in the recording too Maybe it didn't want to what? sit with you. Maybe it wanted to stand. Yeah, you can hear it in the recording. What? The moment where you give up. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I haven't listened to it yet, so I'll have to, have to go and listen to it. That'd be interesting. 
We also drank a Coors Light after that. Or was it before? No, Coors Light was before that. It was before that? Yeah. Oh, man. Mr. Wiggles was the third beer into the podcast. Yeah, you're right. I only got through three. Yeah. Oh, he missed the Sours. That's what it was. Oh, gosh. Yeah, he missed the Sours and the Belgians and yeah. the, the Germans. We had a trip L. Mm. It was good, but that was a couple weeks ago. So yeah. obviously your beer would have done something by now as far as fermentation. Yeah, it's cold crashing okay. right now. So it was uh, like Goza. I'll let it uh, cold crash for another couple of days, and I'll probably keg it one night this week and try it next weekend. Yeah. That's cool. I'm looking I'm, forward to tasting that. Yeah. See how it yeah, turns out. Yeah, me too. Out. I'm interested to see how the process worked because it's the first time I've used the acidulated malt. So. You know, it's funny with, with fermentation, like on the beer that I brewed. It's Sunday. I brewed it last Sunday. It's still bubbling up like crazy. I've never had a beer do that before. Take that long? Take that long, yeah. Mm. It's still going. What's your temps at? Uh, the thermometer on the bedroom says like 72. Wow. So... Usually, whenever I I do a real cool fermentation, like mid to low sixties, it'll take a lot longer. Mm. Mm-hmm. But it usually finishes a little cleaner. Yeah. So I'm I'm excited for this one. It's mm. for the engagement party. Okay. Okay. Cool. So I may brew another batch of it just in case. <clears throat> just right. in case it gets blown, drank really quickly. Yeah, because Justin's already told me <laughs> that he's going to stay the entire time, even though it's a come and go thing. <laughs> he's like, "Oh no, we'll be there the entire time." Blah 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 blah. Free beer. <laughs> I was like, okay, whatever. Mm. So that one will probably blow if I had to guess. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting how sometimes when you brew a beer, it'll ferment really quickly, and then sometimes there's just a big, thick head of Krausen that sits there, which seems like forever. Yeah. I mean, mine's been about mm, this tall, which I'm showing about four inches-ish. That's a big four inches. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's what she said. Uh-huh. <laughs> Anyways. But yeah, no, it's just been going and going and going. It's like the Energizer Bunny. Mm. Well, see, my, my Goza fermented for a good six days or so. It's a lot longer than I usually have as well. So mm. I don't know. Maybe the, the yeast had to struggle a little bit to work in that pH level of environment. Because yeah. my mash pH... Normally, when you when if you've ever measured your mash pH, normally it's around five point seven, five point eight, something like that. Um, so I did my regular mash, pitched in the acidulated malt, and then kept measuring the pH until I was at like three point eight, and it, that should give me the the sourness that I need. So hmm. you, maybe the yeast weren't happy with that environment. Maybe that's why it took mine a little bit longer than normal. Yeah, maybe so. Hmm. Or the salt content. I have no idea. I put like salt. 2.75 ounces of sea salt in it. <laughs> Dang. That's a lot. Yeah. From the seashore <laughs> in Shakshi at the second shave. <laughs> style. I'm and, looking uh, forward to trying that one. Yeah. In my Oktoberfest, uh, Martzen is lagering away as we speak. Okay. So uh, I'm looking forward to Oktoberfest season. Yes. Coming up next month pretty quick. Word. I've already been there once this year. A couple was it? Well, it was about a month ago now. Yeah, I guess uh, we went with Eddie. But I'm going to try and uh, host my own little mini Oktoberfest here at some point. 
in September, one of the weekends I'm free, I guess. I'll have the uh, the Martin kegged. I'm going to attempt to make my own sauerkraut. I'm gonna ferment some cabbage into sauerkraut. Have some brats on the on the grill. Bratwurst. I'm looking forward to it. it. Should be interesting. Yeah. So anyway, that's coming up next month. However, I do want to go to Addison Oktoberfest again for sure. Yeah. Tuesdays and Sundays are free admission. Frühling start here. Tuesday. I'm sorry. Thursdays and Sundays. Thursday and Sundays free admission. Yeah. Oh. I read that on the website. The website. Yep. I'll have to check that out. Mm-hmm. You're charging for your Oktoberfest celebration? No. You said it's free on Thursdays and Sundays. That's what he said. No, for the Addison Oktoberfest. So you're, you're charging for Chris's Oktoberfest <laughs> Yes. Why, yes, I am. <laughs> okay. I'm broke. Do I get a cut of that? No. <laughs> I'm kidding. Dang. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be selling tickets for food and beverages just like uh, the real Oktoberfest. That would be funny. <laughs> but it would really get into the spirit of things. Yeah, it is. I'm modeling it exactly after Addison. <laughs> All right, everybody buy your uh, your tickets. Anyway. Well, that's cool. I brewed a couple beers since our last podcast. Uh, I did a Saison, pretty much just a straight Saison recipe um, with uh, French Saison yeast. And somehow I ordered a smaller amount of malt than I normally do for that recipe because this is a rebrew, but uh, something messed up with the recipe so it's going to be kind of a session saison, a little lower in alcohol than what I've made it in the past, which is okay. And then I uh, also did just the classic blonde again. I love that recipe, so I make it pretty regularly. Hmm. Nice. I cool. got that. That'll go on in a few weeks. That's cool. Yep. So uh, if we, if you are hearing our voice now, then you are listening, and we appreciate that. <laughs> are you sure they're so listening? So we say thank you to our listeners. We uh, wouldn't be here without you guys. Well, <laughs> yeah, we so would. much. Yeah, we would. Actually, we probably should apologize for the uh, the uh, sporadicness of our episodes as of late. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> our schedules have been crazy, really crazy. I know. I, the last three weeks, I've been working fourteen, sixteen hour days. Yeah. So it's uh, it's been a little rough. But uh, school's about to start, and things actually, kind of ironically enough, when school starts is when my schedule gets a lot easier. I so. envy you. You know what my Monday is like? <laughs> I go from start right now. It could go earlier. I start at 9 and go till 8.30 at night. Yeah. Straight with lessons. Yeah. Monday nights are rough for me because that's when we have evening rehearsals the rest uh, of the yeah. week in the morning. So I'll be, I'll be at school at you know before 8, and then rehearsal goes until 8.00. So, good 12-hour day. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> it is funny how that whenever we start working, then our schedules become more reliable. Yeah. Because right? yeah. doing the same thing every day. and yeah. It's easier to plan around it when you have something that happens every single Very day. Very true. Yeah. Versus like the summer when you're sitting at home with no pants on and <laughs> you got a beer in your hand going, man, do I really want to get out of bed today? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Still in bed with a beer in your hand, no pants on? Yeah. Well, usually you fall asleep that way and you wake up. Yeah. Just keep drinking the same beer. Perfect nap. Hot, flat, curs lap. Hey, it's still good, right? <laughs> Man, I've done that once. Like where you wake up and you still have a glass in your hand and it's empty. And you're like, crap, did I drink it or 
did I just fill my mattress did with I spill it with Hefeweizen? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a very specific memory you're recalling. Yes, now. I remember very specifically <laughs> that night. But uh, yes, we should get back to our regular schedule, and you'll have uh, new episodes coming every Tuesday. Yep, fresh off the presses. And I think this is our last Basics of Beer episode, isn't it? We could do one more. What would the, what would the fifth one be? Yeah. Adjuncts. Oh. Uh, wow. Well, I yeah. think we have enough we could do one of those. Yeah, maybe so. Because we did malt, hops, yeast, and today's water. So that's really... Mm-hmm. If we stuck to the Reinheitsgebot, then we're done. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, also be on the lookout in the future for live streaming and or recorded video of uh, our shows. Yeah. Uh, that is definitely uh, in the works as of late. So yeah, we've we've experimented with that a little bit. Uh, got a camera and tried it out, but the live streaming thing was kind of sketchy. So we're gonna try and figure out a better way to do that. Yep. So there you go. Yep. And if you enjoy it, then go ahead and hit that subscribe button, and uh, also write us a review. Let us know what you think, good or bad. We will uh, appreciate your comments. Yeah. Just make sure you put five stars. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what. Mm-hmm. Five stars. You guys suck. <laughs> hey, whatever works. That's right. Well, uh, as Chris mentioned, we are in the middle of our Basics of Beer series. Um, this is part four. So far, we've done an episode of covering malt, an episode covering hops, and then the most recent one was yeast. Um, and as you know, water is also an integral part of that as well. So that's what our episode today is going to focus on is water profiles and we have a lot to talk about, even though you might think, well, it's just water. What, what else is there? But, but my, my, my mama said. Yeah. Um, there's high quality there's a lot that we could get into as far as water is concerned. Uh, I will say, you know, speaking for myself and for everyone, this is probably the episode that we feel the least confident about as far as our knowledge base beforehand. Oh, yeah. Because you can get really scientific into, well, in all four of the uh, of the main uh, main elements, if you want to, you could really get into uh, you know malting and the temperature. You know, do your own malt and then mash pH and all this. You can really get into it, or you can just have a uh, real relaxed attitude, throw all the stuff in there, and see what happens. Relax, don't worry, have a homebrew. Yes, and on both sides of it, you can still make good homebrew. Yeah, you don't have to necessarily be measuring every single part of every step and go to all these crazy scientific links to make good beer. That's not a it's not a necessary step. Now, if you do that, you can make really excellent beer, sure. You can also make really crappy beer by doing all these measurements <laughs> as well. That would so, be me. So don't think that you have to go crazy scientific to make good beer. Um, but the water side of things is probably the one that I think is the least... Um, how to say this without being offensive. It's the least important of the four for you to mess around with scientifically to make major changes to your beer, I guess. Yeah, well, I, we're really lucky here in Arlington that we have really good water. You know, I whenever I'm brewing, I've got my garden hose hooked up to my tap outside, and I just fill up my kettle, and I brew. Yeah, that's right. You know, I, do. I, I don't even filter with a carbon filter like a lot of people do. Like when you Nigel was here... Uh, last week, he hooked up his little filter and he filtered my tap water, mm-hmm. and I just put it straight into the into my kettle. So I mean, you can. It, there's nothing to say you can't do that. But we're lucky here in Arlington; we have really good water. You can't say that about 
other places. They have to filter it to get good quality beer. Yes. Do you filter with microns? Yes, actually. Okay, good. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that was a piece of advice that I heard really early on was if your water tastes good, then brew with it. Mm-hmm. And, and yes, that is very basic and uh, it doesn't get into a lot of specifics, but for the most part, it's a piece of advice that works. You can make good beer with just using your tap water and not even worrying about anything else. Uh, that being said, there are still a lot of concerns and things that you can do to make your beer better. Now, if you are a beginning brewer, then I would suggest that you focus on one of the other elements first before starting to fiddle with water, uh, such as fermentation, fermentation temperature, temperature control. <laughs> yes, That is the biggest thing across the board. Even if, you know, especially if you're doing, well, I guess it doesn't matter. Extract, all grain, doesn't matter. Fermentation temperature is the number one thing to nail down first. Yep. And I'd be hard-pressed to find somebody that would say otherwise. Yeah, that's something that you can make a change right away, and immediately you're going to notice an improvement in your beer. Yep. So as a beginning brewer, I would focus on that first. Um, And you can also... Make improvements on the malt side as far as your mashing, doing specific mash temperatures, uh, creating a recirculating system so that it's a consistent mash temperature, things like that. Hops, there's not a whole lot that you can fiddle with on the homebrew side because a lot of it's already done and prepackaged beforehand. Uh, but but experimenting can, with different types of hops and different different types when you put it in the in the process of brewing the beer. Yeah, whether if it's first wort all the way through to dry hopping. Yeah, whirlpooling. So that, yeah, there's a lot of things you can change. Uh, so if you are a beginning brewer, I would leave water adjustments for the last thing that you try to mess with. Um, I bought the uh, the essentials, essential elements of beer series. So it's four books: malt, water, hops, and yeast. And at the very beginning of the water book, like I open it up and it says, "This book is not for novices." This is not for beginners. But then again, if you bought this book, then you are a good brewer or you're a smart brewer or something like that. (laughs) If you bought this book, you're a good brewer. (laughs) Yeah. Or it's like, but but then again, you're not a beginning brewer because you're holding this book or something like that. (laughs) Because it makes sense. But then, yeah, you look into it and it is very technical. It is not a easy read. There's a lot of formulas and it goes into elements and compounds. Uh, and it's very scientific. So uh, if you are a person that you know a lot more about water than us and you're a chemist, then I would suggest that you go ahead and buy the book and don't even listen to us at all. Well, no, I take that back. Go ahead and listen to us and then buy the book and laugh about how little we know about water. And then leave a comment about everything that we got wrong. Yes. Be sure to email Fratto. Yeah. Fratto at BrewStyles.com. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, the book is the Brewing Element series, and it's the uh, Brewer's Publication who publishes it. It's called Water from John Palmer and Colin Kaminsky. I also have another John Palmer book here as well, How to Brew, and that one's a pretty pretty well-known one. Uh, so we're going to get a chance to read a few things from there. We have several different types of beer to taste that have different water profiles, and that'll be nice. And uh, we actually have a little bit of uh, water tasting that we're going to get to do a little bit later as well. Hmm. Before we do that, what are you drinking right now? I think we're all drinking the same. No, we're not. No, we're not. Well, Travis, you and I are drinking my Saison, which we've talked about several times. Yes. It's 
been on for over a month, I think. And I've noticed some changes. Yeah. I'm drinking the London Pride clone. Mm. Or Fuller's Pride, whatever it is. The Saison's, London Pride. The Saison's mellowing out more. Yeah, the, the lemongrass notes are very prevalent now. Yeah, that's popping. Which is good. I like it. Yeah. But I, I like this recipe. I've done this one several times. The only thing I changed this time was the, the yeast. I did the, uh, the Belle Saison, which is good. I like it. Now, the London Pride clone has changed quite a bit, too. The hop profile has dropped. The bitterness is still there, but a lot of the malt's coming through. I like the malt. <laughs> so, it's it's good. I'm definitely going to do that one again, too. All right. While we enjoy this beer, and, and before we get to our water tasting, let's talk about what the, diff- what the different water types are and the different water sources water. that uh, you, as a listener and home brewer, might come across. Well, there's three main types of freshwater sources. You have precipitation, surface water, and groundwater. And all three of these could be used to brew beer with. Uh, each one has its own advantages and disadvantages as well. So as far as precipitation, that would be considered rainwater or snow. And this tends to have a lower pH than surface water and contains very little organic matter and dissolved minerals. Um, so this can be very pure because of that. But pollution can also contribute significant amounts of negative compounds. So that would be uh, something to be aware of. Um, yes, you can make a beer with rainwater or snow, but you have to know that it's a very pure source to begin with. So if you're living in you know, downtown Los Angeles and you have a rain <laughs> bucket and you've been collecting water for a while. With a side of smog. Yeah, there, uh, there's a good chance that there may be some pollutants in there as well. So it wouldn't be the freshest. Uh, or if you're living in the mountain regions of Montana, uh, you might have a pretty nice, pure sample of uh, precipitation. Um, but it would take a long time to collect enough for brewing. So that's another concern as well. Yeah, seven gallons. <laughs> yep, but that is one example of uh, fresh water. You can also have surface water. That would be things like lakes, ponds, rivers, and puddles. And these may have higher concentrations of organic matter and dissolved minerals may also be contaminated with surface debris or plankton. The quality of this can vary greatly from industrial contaminated lakes to pure, fast-moving mountain streams. So same kind of thing with uh, precipitation. You can have very fresh examples of surface water. You can have polluted examples as well. Uh, pulling water from the mighty Mississippi wouldn't be as pure and crisp as a as an Appalachian spring. So something to be aware of and also you know it's on the surface so you're gonna have um shrimp and bugs and other fish and, and animal poop and human waste and stuff and, and that just all kind of gross gets in there too uh so there's that and then also you have groundwater which that would be aquifers uh well into the ground these tend to have low organics but may have a high uh, a high dissolved mineral content and is susceptible to contamination from industry, agriculture, and other man-made sources. So this is water that is trickled down through the ground and then settles in an underground uh, opening. And a lot of times these sources of water have been around for hundreds of years, sometimes even thousands of years. Uh, it's also been exposed to higher heat since it's lower uh, towards the Earth's core, and this often causes higher dissolved mineral concentrations as well. So, uh, what does that mean? Well, the fact that the water has been treated prior to distribution doesn't necessarily mean it's suitable for brewing use, even though it's suitable for drinking. 
um, and we're going to talk about this a little bit with tap water. Um, public water, they have to disinfect it to create safe water, and this can oftentimes be an issue for brewers. Um, so we'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, as far as the three types of fresh water, the point is know where your water comes from and what to expect from it because that will help you a lot later on if you have something funky with your water. Either it smells weird or you're not getting a certain conversion rate that you think. Well, that can be a reason why it's from where it comes from because those different water sources are going to play different with uh, with many types or many parts of the brewing process. All right. Uh, before we actually get into tasting some beer, I thought we could taste some water. Water? Water. Water. Yes. Water. Warsh. And these are uh, three different types of water that you certainly could brew with. You probably have access to it, whether you live in the city or the country. And uh, each one, we're thinking, is going to have a different, uh, different water profile as far as the aroma and flavors, if, uh, if at all. So we're going to try all three of these, kind of talk about them. And then, uh, and then we'll move on to the beer tasting portion. So we'll, uh, we'll get the first one set up and be right back. All right, we are back and we have our different water samples. Now these are uh, water that is available to us right here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, so this wouldn't be necessarily, like we're not trying... Uh, Czech water and Dublin water and English water, all that kind of stuff. That'd be interesting. We actually kind of wanted to do that, just create different water profiles, but uh, unfortunately, our our knowledge base is not as good as we needed to uh, to get the specific compounds right to be able to to formulate that. That we would have to spend a lot of money on chemicals and yeah. So it wasn't quite as feasible to do that for this podcast, but we do have several types of uh, water. Uh, drinking water that is available to us, so it's also available to you in whatever part of the world you live in. Um, actually, maybe not the really underdeveloped parts of the world you might have these, but uh, <laughs> if you have the ability to listen to a podcast on iTunes, then uh, you probably have access to these kind of waters. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to go through and try all these. We'll take just a little small sample and see if we can get any kind of flavor out of it, any aromas, uh, any color, just anything without just being tasteless and odorless, which is uh, what distilled water would be. And that's not something we have today because it would be just that, just something wet that's wet. tasteless and odorless. So we're going to start with the, uh, the tap water that uh, we got from Arlington, Texas, straight from the tap. We're actually, uh, as Chris mentioned earlier, we're pretty blessed to have very high-quality tap water. It's brilliantly clear. I think one of the best tap water municipal, municipality tap systems in the country or something. I think Arlington's listed as like number two or three in the country. Word up, yo. Yeah. <laughs> it's very clear. There's not kind of any sediment or anything. Any, any head? <laughs> well, it, it does pour with bubbles for some reason. Just for Frado, though, not for anybody else. <laughs> I'm not getting any odors. Yeah, just smells fresh. For me, there's always... I, there's something there. I don't know what it is. I wouldn't necessarily call it dirty or salty, but there is... A, it's not clean. Mm -hmm. I wonder how many microns they use to filter this. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and there's something to that, Chris. We'll get into the water report later on. 
in this episode as far as uh, the specific one for Arlington. But in any any kind of municipality, you're going to have different things added to the water for different reasons along the way uh, that would maybe slightly contribute to a smell or a taste that would not be, you know, 100% pure fresh water. So, uh, yes, there are some things in the Arlington tap water that uh, have been added. Uh, And pretty much any municipality is going to add fluoride, fluorine, or I think it's fluoride to the water for uh, teeth purposes. Believe it or not, yeah, they add fluoride to the water to make uh, stronger teeth for everyone. Interesting. So that's one thing. And uh, Actually, you know, it's, it's interesting you say that because I grew up in Plano until I was about seven. Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently there was a strong, uh, I don't think it's iodine. Eye for iodine. <laughs> uh, or, I don't know. They, they told me, my dentist told me that there was a strong chemical in the water that made my teeth grow slightly yellow. I brushed my teeth all the time. They weren't, I didn't have cavities or anything. It's just my teeth were yellowed. And he said it was from the water in Plano, which is strange. But, yeah, so I've heard that before or something along those lines. Iron. Maybe that's what it was. There's a high iron content in the water. Iron. Yeah. (laughs) There's a new one. So, in general, a water that comes from your municipality goes through several steps. Uh, which would include screening process, which is going to remove environmental debris like sticks and leaves. There's going to be a specific contaminant treatment that removes organic odors and taste and heavy metals. Uh, Next, there's going to be a coagulation and flocculation stage. That's a fun word, flocculation. That's also a brewing word. Yes. Uh, That's where they add aluminum and alum. Uh, That's used to attract fine particles into it that uh, will settle out and add to the clarity of the water. After that, there's a microfiltration stage where uh, the water is fine filtered through sand and silt to remove any kind of microbes. After that, they do a pH adjustment, and uh, a lot of times they use either lime or uh, caustic or acid to move the pH into the correct level range. Um, that's why sometimes you'll see lime buildups and lime deposits on your shower head, uh, and that's where it comes from. And then uh, there's also a residual disinfectant that's added, such as chlorine or chloramine, and they add that to prevent bacterial growth in the pipes after it leaves the plant. So there are lots of different chemicals that are in the water we're drinking now. Uh, it's always at a safe level for human consumption, but uh, they add those for for reasons along the way. And, you know, I had always wondered how the pipes that have been in the ground for decades were still clean enough to run water through, you know, because... Anywhere there's water, then you can have life grow in it. So you'd think after a while that you'd have mold and a bunch of crap growing in the pipes. But uh, that's why they add chlorine to the water that we're drinking right now. It's to kill any kind of chance for mold spores or bacteria to develop in the pipes. Well, plus, you know, if you think about your lines in your brewing setup, like in your kegerator, I always have something in the lines because if the lines are empty, then there's room for growth. Mm Mm-hmm. If the lines are full with water or star sand or PBW or something, then nothing can grow in there because there's not room for it. So I imagine the pipes in the ground are full all the time. There's constant water pressure, and that will also help things from growing. Yeah. But it's also why they, if if they're welding on a, a fuel tanker, it's full of gasoline. 
because gasoline itself is not flammable. It's the fumes that are flammable. So they fill up the tanker before they start welding on it. There's a fun fact for the day. Here's a fun fact. <laughs> so is that. Okay. So the consensus with the tap water is it's very refreshing, super clear, but there is a little something to the taste that yeah. prevents it from being just like 100% tasteless. Yeah. But it does have a flavor. There's a little something, something. Yeah. Okay, so next we have the same tap water, but this has been treated through a, a water filter. So we will see if there's actually something to the water filter or if it's just a bunch of hooey that they used to sell something to um, suburb homeowners. I can smell the filter. Whoa! <laughs> well, this is just a you know one of those pitcher Brita filters with the carbon canister in it. That's essentially all it is. It does smell different, though. Okay, so you pour the water from the tap through the filter, um, and then it's what we have here. Still, you know, no particles. No change in appearance. It does have a different smell. Still yeah. Still fresh, but just different. Yeah, it's. I think it might be because it's colder, though. Yeah, that could be, too. Maybe it's the fridge I'm smelling. Well, this... Um, it does smell like lasagna. Yeah. <laughs> Which maybe, is strange because there's no lasagna in the fridge. Thank you, um, cheese. <laughs> um, Great poop. No, I, I, I do think that there's a big flavor difference. Um, that's the whole point. We have the water you know, filter because it does taste better. How fast does it filter it? Um, well, that little reservoir, I don't know how much is in there. A liter, maybe. Um, like it takes, d- takes it like five minutes to uh, filter okay. through. Because you'll fill the little reservoir at the top, and then it filters through the the middle section. Hmm. Hmm. But the the bottom section is not as big as the the top section, so it would take about ten minutes, maybe. Yeah, it is. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know what you're talking like about. Like front, like this section is not as big as this section. Right. So you fill it up and then turn the water off, let it sit for a little bit. Yeah, and then it kind of trickles through. It's totally gravity fed thing. Yeah, um, I'm drinking tap water. This is a better flavor than just straight from the tap. It's a slight difference, but it's enough to be noticeable. Yeah. Yeah, and most most refrigerators, well, actually all refrigerators that, you know, are newer have water dispensing systems on them now and have filters on them. Yeah, actually, so. uh, from what I've seen in those, the water filter is actually separate. You can hook it up without it. Oh, yeah, but you most, can. Yeah. yeah, but most people will put that filter in there and... Actually, when when we lived in in Sherman, we had a salt machine that would also filter through, and it it made the water salt. softer. So that changed it. So there wasn't any kind of salt flavor in the water, but it was just another home filtration system. Mm-hmm. And then we also had another tap on the sink that was a reverse osmosis. Okay, where you could get uber clean water from. Yeah, and that's all different than the carbon. Like just just different ways to home filter things. I haven't changed the filter on my refrigerator in years. <laughs> yeah, carbon scrubs are what a lot of professional breweries will use uh, whenever they brew with their with their municipal water. Uh, every brewery that I know of does some kind of filtration to start with, um, and that's something we'll talk about later on. Also, but uh, it is important to know that. Even though there's a a famous water profile from somewhere in the world, 
they probably do some filtration with it also, um, just like they do here. So that's pretty good. Yeah, I do think this this is cleaner, more refreshing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have that chemical tinge to it. What's your poundability? Ten. <laughs> this water goes to 11. There you go. <laughs> All right, next we have a, a little example of bottled water. This is pure aqua purified water, BPA-free. Oh, well, good. They didn't put the BPAs in there. Big. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> I can't What's go the, the way I want to go with this, but <laughs> big peanuts. <laughs> That's not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> big pitches. No. Just quit while you're not ahead. Yeah. Sorry. So this is like purified drinking water out of a plastic... Where's the puddle? Puddle. Room temperature. Very clear. No evidence of color or sediment. Okay, here are the, the ingredients. <laughs> okay. Purified water, calcium okay. chloride, sodium bicarbonate, purified by reverse osmosis. Okay, so they probably did the water reverse osmosis and then added the sodium bicarbonate. Yeah. Have y'all seen the YouTube videos where they taste or test the acidity of different waters? No. It's actually really interesting. Hmm. Um, uh, Like, for example, smart water is probably the most acidic water you can drink. Hmm. That's out for sale on the market today next to, like, Dasani. And that's, like, water with stuff added to it. Yeah, electrolytes for taste. It's got uh, plants. Crave. <laughs> that's what the bottle says, at least. So the plants crave, but yeah. it's it's bad. It's bad for you, uh, essentially. So smart water is not very smart. No, Whoa. the best one, which was almost uh, considered alkaline water, which uh, that was, uh, I think it was called Whoa. life water or something like that. Yeah, that's supposed to be really healthy for you. Interesting. This bottle of water has very little smell at all. Yeah, and very little taste. To be honest, like even though the the um, carbon filtered water is still filtered, it still had a taste. Mm-hmm. It's not as refreshing. The bottled water, yeah, right. I would agree. I, I think so too. It the, kind the of carbon filtered water just tastes better. Like you know how I've talked about how it has like like certain beers have like a flat flavor. Mm-hmm. This has a flat flavor to it. It's got that matte finish. Yeah, it's got that <laughs> matte finish. Yeah. Don't hate on Matt. Poor Matt. Yeah. <laughs> He's been done a long time. Um, I, Travis, you used to brew with bottled water. I remember going to the store and buying like seven one-gallon jugs of, of filtered purified water to brew with. Have you noticed a difference doing that versus Arlington tap water now that you live in Arlington instead of Fort Worth? You know, um, a lot of things have changed since then, including my brewing knowledge and prowess. Mm-hmm. So Ooh, prowess. Yeah, it's it's not a direct uh, comparison from years ago when I would buy a bottled water and then brew with it as to now. If I were to try a brew today with bottled water, I think that'd be a more accurate comparison because so much more about my brewing process and, and knowledge mm. has improved since then. Right. That'd be an interesting experiment. Maybe do like a small batch of, you know, of, blonde or something and do bottled water and then tap water. Oh, totally, yeah. See see what the difference was. Yeah, but uh, I am one, just like Chris, I brew with just straight tap water. I don't filter it. 
and I really don't have a problem with my beer flavor or yeah. or yeast processes. It's yeah, just I'm, fine. As, aside from making a beer that tasted like Lemon Pledge, um, I don't have any issues either with my beer. We didn't get any distilled water because that would be just no taste, no aroma. That's where you take beer and you run it through the uh, or take not beer. You take water <laughs> and you reverse osmosis, uh, go through that process, and that removes basically all the minerals, everything from it, scrubs it clean. Well, is the RO process different than distilling? Because I think distilled water is just that distilled. I think reverse osmosis is a different process. Yes, they're a different process, but I think you get the same. Same, same result. Yeah. Okay. Where it's scrubbed. It's kind of like doing math problems these days. You have like five different ways of doing it, but you get the same answer. Yeah. And usually it's wrong. <laughs> so. Because zero did not equal the sky is purple. And I'm pretty sure in one of our <laughs> one of our early on episodes, we, we suggested that you use reverse osmosis water for your brewing. But we didn't mention that if you do that, you have to add in what you just have taken out of it. Right. Because you don't want to brew beer with just distilled water. Yeah. I do know that people will do that, and they'll build up the water profile that they want for that specific beer that they're brewing. Next, we are pouring an example of spring water. From the springtime? (laughs) That was a while ago. This is actually from Kroger Spring. Oh. Is it in the Kroger Marketplace? Where is the Kroger Spring? Yes. Uh, It's off Little Road. It's inside (laughs) the Kroger Marketplace. Uh, It's been carbon-filtered, micron-filtered. Whoa. Uh, ozonated for purity. Ozonated? Yeah. I bought a gallon jug because I need it for my Keurig at school. But this should be different from just regular drinking water. Looks the same. Yeah, all this water has looked like water, believe it or not. High quality H2O. See, this tastes just like the bottled water. Yeah. Well, technically, that's spring water, too. No, it's purified water. Well, no. Oh, hang on. Minerals added for taste. There might be a little flavor to the spring water. Okay, well, some of the some of the bottled water that I I've you know drank in years past is spring water. Yeah, it'll say on the sure. label if it's spring water or yeah. If you're like Ozarka is spring water. That's Dallas Tap. <laughs> <laughs> they just make you think it's spring water, right? <laughs> it's the spring behind the free man. I wonder what the the Fuji Fiji water. That's they they claim it's straight from Fiji. Uh, I think and there is that's a also water. very healthy water for you too. Yeah, it comes in a square bottle. It's weird. According to that acidity <laughs> test, yeah, it doesn't fit in your cup holder. I think there's flavor to this. It's not completely absent like in the bottled water. Would you would you call it minerally? Yes, but only slightly. Only slightly. Yeah. Probably not like our next example is going to be. No. Oh man, could you could you imagine if we had scored some water from mineral wells? What? That's what they're known for. Is they're really good water out there. Hmm. And mineral wells, they put minerals in it. Yeah. Natural minerals. <laughs> Matt told the story on uh, the rabbit hole episode. Yeah. That was the whole uh, impetus behind the uh, Mike Madonna beer. Because mm-hmm. they wanted to brew brew beer using the mineral well, mineral well water. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's gonna be a hard episode. Say that ten times fast. 
Well, we're not even drunk yet. No. Actually, we're hydrating, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Drinking lots of water before we start drinking the beer. It's probably a good thing because we have like seven, I think. Mm. All right. And the last one is something that I've never tried before. I've always heard people talk about it, uh, but this is mineral water, and it's labeled Topo Chico, bottled at the source in Monterey, Mexico. Uh-oh. I've been so, there. We're going to start a timer to see how long it takes for Montezuma's Revenge to to attack us. I got really drunk there. <laughs> but uh, this is bottled. We need a bottle opener, and I do believe it's carbonated also. Oh, so fizzy might water. Have, yeah, might have fizzy water. Sparkling water. Yeah. Whoa. I just bubbled. bubbled. <laughs> now, um... Oh, oh yeah. no. Fizzy water. Um, I have had... Was it that comes in the green bottle, the Perrier? Uh-huh. Perrier. The, the, yeah, the Perrier. Just like Bombardier and Bombardier. Now I hear people reach for this as a hangover cure. Really? That sounds like a terrible idea. Might make sense. Uh, there is actually 15 milligrams of sodium in this. You know, Normally on, on the water label, it has the nutrients ingredients, which is zero, everything. Yeah. This actually does have some salt on there. Yeah. Mineral water and carbon dioxide, so we may or should get a little something from this. No, I don't know how much it... Woo! Carbonation really gets to you. This tastes just like the Perrier that I've had. Okay. I mean, it's, yeah, very carbonated, and I, I was always unsure if the flavor came from, like, the carbonating process or from the water itself. Yes, Sawyer, we can hear it. <laughs> Hmm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stir mine a little bit, try and dissipate some of that CO2 and oh gosh, I do get a flavor from this. Oh yeah, for it's, sure. It I mean it almost reminds me of Sprite. Eh, I don't want to go that far. Oh, but, I will. Well, as far as the carbonation, <laughs> yes. Yeah, but the flavor. That's why I'm gonna try and get rid of some of the CO2. Yeah, once you get all the the bubbles out, it's uh it is very minerally in flavor, which you'd expect, like uh. Almost chalk. Yeah. Or gravel like, dust. Yeah, I was going to say rocks. Yeah. Not yeah, like I've ever put rocks in my mouth. <laughs> well, when you're. But Dickies is okay. Elementary yeah. school in the playground, we had a gravel pit, and you, you got a rock in your mouth at some point. Yeah. I accidentally swallowed one once while <laughs> at the playground swinging on the swing set. That was painful. Yeah, kidney stones hurt. Oh. So, 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 so I've been told. Well, I mean, I didn't. Never mind. I'm not going to go into that. You didn't pee it out? Nope. Okay. <laughs> so, mineral water is available to most people who live in the rural areas. Uh, usually it comes in, in well water or... Yeah, this tastes like well water. <laughs> yeah. Man, I'm not a... So, not a fan. Know that if that is your water source, you can brew with it, absolutely. But the water taste will also come through in your finished product. So this would be a case of this if this is the only water source you have, you may want to consider filtering it uh, in some manner before doing the brewing process. I wonder how much of the the mineralness would be filtered out with a simple carbon filter. 
probably a good bit, I think. Because if it's uh, like there's the activated charcoal filter, then that removes a pretty good portion of stuff. Stuff. Mm. Yeah. I no no no. Okay. What's your poundability on this one? One. <laughs> yeah, this one's not not as easy to chug. Now I know some people really like it. Like oh yeah, you know. The reason I tried Perrier is because my dad buys it by the case. Of course, he... So what does he mix it with? <laughs> uh, gin, I think. Okay, there you go. <laughs> that's like that's like gin yeah. and tonic, you know? Yeah, but see, tonic... Oh, that's another one we could have tried. Tonic, tonic water. Because with quinine, uh, it's got like a... Almost a citrusy tinge to it. I used to, I used to just drink tonic water straight because I liked the way that it tasted. Put a little bit of lemon and lime juice in there, and it's so nice. <laughs> Tastes pretty good. It's but real nice. Yeah, you know, gin and tonic is one of those things that people do, but gin's too dry for me. I don't. I I'm not a fan of gin. I've always thought it tastes earthy, like roots. I like whiskey. Yeah, because it's uh, it's made from like sage leaves or something. I don't know. Yeah, juniper, juniper, some kind of plant. Juniper, juniper, juniper. Some kind of plant, and it tastes like it. Yeah, it's not ugh. even with the tonic water. Anyway, yeah, well, there's some whiskey you can drink right there, Chris. Yeah, I have heard that some people will make cocktails using this mineral water. Yeah, I'm sure with the right flavor combinations, it you know adds to it. Yeah, but, word. So all in all, know your water source before you start brewing because the flavors that are there to begin with will also be there in the end unless you decide to filter it. Yep. So. Word. There we go. All right. We're going to get on to our beer tasting portion with, uh, actually, every beer we have today is made with water. So. <laughs> I would hope so. Go figure. That's a good thing. All right. Well, as we've been mentioning, the chemistry of water does determine how much of an effect each malt addition will have. Um, and so we're going to start with an example of one of the uh, world's most famous beers in their brewing water. And this is from the Pilsen region of the Czech Republic. So you might be able to guess what beer this is. Uh, this region was the birthplace birthplace of the Pilsner style of beer. They paced it really well. A Pils is a soft, golden, clear lager with a very clean, hoppy taste. I'm reading from uh, John Palmer's book right now, How to Brew, by the way. Uh, the water of Pilsen is very soft, free of most minerals, and very low in biocarbonates. So you might have heard that before, soft water, hard water. If it's uh, very soft water, it has low everything, low mineral content, Period. If it's very high water, then it has very high concentrated that. Very hard water, sorry. The Pilsen brewers use an acid rest with the water to bring the pH down to the target mash of 5.1 to 5.5 using only the pale lager malts. Pilsen water, the very low hardness and alkalinity allow the proper mash pH to be reached with only base malts, achieving the soft, rich flavor of fresh bread. The lack of sulfate provides for a mellow, hot bitterness that does not overpower the soft maltiness. Noble hop aroma is emphasized. We'll get a little more in depth into what all those things mean, sulfates and carbonates and whatnot, calcium. It's clear as balls. Yes. This is uh, the Pilsner Urkel, <laughs> by the way. 
It is a classic example of the Czech pills. It's skunky. Actually, I believe in the new BGCP guidelines, it is the Czech pale lager. Oh my gosh, they're going to keep coming up with new styles. Yeah, because there's different color Czech lagers now. Can I get a Czech one too? Check, please. Yes, very clear. Uh, like a light yellowish color. White head. There's a little bit of skunk smell to it. Yeah. Came in a bottle, a brown bottle, but it's a light brown bottle. Brown? Looked for a can, couldn't find one. Yeah, I mean, these really these really light colored beers tend to skunk very easily, even in a brown bottle. But, uh, I mean, like usual, that dissipates fairly quickly so you can get past it. Uh, the aroma does have a bready flavor to it. Mm. Bready aroma. Yeah, the the flavor has a like a bread crust kind of thing to it too. Um, mm. Slight, slight bitterness. I wouldn't say it's over the top, but it's de- it's definitely noticeable. Yes, um, mm-hmm. very floral, just like the the noble hop thing we talked about a couple episodes ago. Yeah, and since we know the water they use is very soft. Uh, any kind of bitterness is going to be 100% from hops and not from any mineral content that's left over in the in the residual water. Yeah, it's very very soft and floral. I agree. Uh, the bitterness comes across as like a sunflower seed husk. Well, in the in the aftertaste, like tannic. Tannic's more like grape skin. Yeah. I don't know. That one's always been kind of weird, weird for me. I like this beer. I've identified tannins. Yeah. Not as crisp as like a German Pils. And I believe the softness of the water would probably have something to do with that as well. It is soft. It really is. No, I, mean, I just thought about that. Like pillowy soft? Yeah. That. No, yeah. It's, <laughs> it, 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 yeah, it's soft as a pillow. I will take that. I know it sounds ridiculous, but, but what does that mean, Sawyer? Well, okay, so to me, what it means is that it some beers you have kind of like Sprite. It it kind of tingles your tongue a little bit, not necessarily because of the carbonation, but just I don't know. It's it's a it's a harder liquid in my opinion, like thinner maybe. Mm, maybe like more the, crisp. The softer water would be like I, thicker, maybe. Yeah, I guess you could say it that way. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. It's kind of hard to describe at the same time. I think that this is a little too thick for me. (laughs) (laughs) Is it? Sawyer, is it? Nine. So, as we mentioned, uh, they have to use an acid rest in order to bring the pH to the correct level since everything is is so soft here. Um, But then otherwise, there really hasn't been much discussion or looking into brewing water in the commercial level uh, until last century. And even then, it was largely based around the American light lager. And uh, the recommendations for uh, for making those beers last century said four things. The water must be clean. You pre-boil the water to get rid of any temporary hardness. The alkalinity of water should be less than 50 parts per million, and the water should contain 50 to 100 parts per million of calcium. 
the problem was those guidelines were used only for one style of beer, the American Pilsner style lagers. So that would not be in line with this one. Specifically speaking, this water profile has only 10 parts per million of calcium, whereas the, uh, the guidelines for making like a Budweiser would be 50 to 100. Three parts per million of magnesium, uh, three parts per million bicarbonate. What is that? Three parts per million of uh, sodium, and then four parts per million of chloride. Uh, SO4 is sulfate. It's got four. So there's really nothing in soft pills and water. It's very low everything. So did you say it's more like spring water? Yeah, this would be, you know, as close as you can get to uh, distilled pure water in nature as you can get. Because looking at all the other water profiles, those numbers get well into the hundreds for some of these things. And everything mm. here was in the single digits. Mm. So Now, see, it's strange because to me this tastes like it would have a higher mineral content. Like it's just got a, I don't want to say metallic, but it's almost metallic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the ABV on this again? Probably five or below. It tastes like it should have more. Like the residual sweetness? Kind of. 4.4%. Ooh. So, yeah, I don't know. It it, it just, it has a tinge to it that I would think would be from the water. You would think it does, but... But if he's saying that, that it's very limited of all the chemicals and compounds and whatever... That's strange. I think that has to come from the hops, then. So what's your poundability? Poundability. Poundability rating on the super pills. I'm sorry, what? That was interesting. Poundability. Poundability. I'd say a seven or eight. I think I, yeah. I mean, it's still, at its heart, it's still a light pilsner. Yeah. And you can uh, chug the crap out of it. I'm going to have to say 7.534. I'd go 8. <laughs> Just It does have a, a weird tinge to it. That's the only reason yeah. why I would not give it a 10. Now, I bet you would give it a 10 if you had a second one. Mm. Or at least a 9. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Because then about, you would be used to it. How about your BJCP reading? Ooh. Reading? Crap. <laughs> yeah, it's a reading. Let me uh, pull up my app so I can read a little bit. BJCP rating for this one. Oh. Well, let me guess. It's probably listed as a classic example, so it's going to have to be mid to high 40s. Yes. Excluding the skunk level. <laughs> right. So, Excluding yeah. the skunk, I'd say 42. Yeah, you'd have to put it at 40s even. Easy. Check logger. <laughs> Check pale logger. 3A. No. It's not listed. Premium pale logger. Because that makes a whole lot of sense. Here we go. Pilsner Urkel. It's high so dollar. It's, it's 3B. Check premium pale lager. This is getting too complicated. Yeah. Overall impression, rich, characterful, pale Czech lager with considerable malt and hop character and a long, rounded finish. Complex yet well-balanced and refreshing. The malt flavors are complex for a Pilsner-type beer, and the bitterness is strong but clean and without harshness, which gives a rounded impression that enhances drinkability. So it does talk about rich, complex, pretty maltiness, uh, soft bitterness, floral, spicy hop. Mm, may contain a slight impression of caramel. I didn't pick any of that up on this one. Bitterness is prominent but never harsh. 
Long finish can be balanced towards hops or malt, but is never aggressively tilted either way. Light to moderate diacetyl and low hop derived esters are acceptable, but need not be present. Doesn't really say anything about water. At least not in the BJCP guidelines. Uh, characteristic ingredients. It does say soft water with low sulfate and carbonate content. That's it. Uh, oh, here it goes. It continues. Low ion water provides a distinctively soft rounded hop profile despite high hopping rates. So I guess the uh, the ion content in the water can affect your bitterness throughout your boil. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it says clean, soft impression in several different of these categories. <coughs> Gambrinus Premium. We've had... Have we had that one? Do we get that one over here? Gambrinus. That's a name we know. Oh, because well, they... It's the Homebrew Club Award. Yeah. Yeah. The National Homebrew Club is the Gambrinus Award. But I don't know if we get the beer here or not. And didn't... Didn't they buy out... Shiner, it's like the Gambrinus Spetzel Corporation that owns them. Spetzel. Some. So yeah, Gambrinus mm. itself is just a, a yeah, it's a just something. a name, yeah. a big name. But anyway. like somebody. All right. Well, uh, we have a comparison beer for this one, the uh, German Pills. So let's get that one out next. So we've got EQ Pills. <laughs> Strange. E K U. Is that our ten dollar word for the day? I guess. Product of Germany. Four point nine percent. The label says the classic German pills with flawless balance, brewed according to the German purity law and bottled by Kulmbacher Brewery. Nine five three two six Kulmbach, Bavaria, Germany. Reinheitsgebot. www.eq.biz. <laughs> they have a dot biz. Web address. So you can say, hey, give me the biz. The EQ biz. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so German pills. Yeah, this, this is this category the, 5D, by the way. This would have been the German answer to the Czech pills since the Czech did it first. And yep. the German tried to do the same thing, but obviously their water source is much different. So it came out to be a completely different style. Um uh, I can read up on the water from Dortmund, which is also a part of Germany. Uh, and they're also famous for their pale lagers. Dortmund Export, which this is not a Dortmund Export, but uh, it's close, has less hop character than a Pilsner, but with more assertive malt character due to high levels of minerals. Oh, higher level of all minerals. The balance of the minerals is very similar to a Vienna, which we don't have that either. But the beer is bolder, drier, and lighter in color. The sodium and chloride bring out a rich roundness in the malt character. So this one, any of the German styles, should have a much higher level of uh, mineral character to it. Yeah, the, uh, the history in the BGCP says uh, the German pills was adapted from Czech Pilsner to suit brewing conditions in Germany, particularly water with higher mineral content and domestic hop varieties. First brewed in Germany in the early 1870s, became more popular after World War II as German brewing schools emphasized modern techniques. Along with its sister beer, Czech Pilsner, it is uh, the ancestor of the most widely produced beer styles today. So there's a little bit of history there about it. Um, ironically enough, 
the commercial examples listed, the Koenig Pilsner, which we've had several times on the podcast before. Yes. Uh, Polliner, premium pills. Uh, the other ones I don't think we get, Trimmer pills, maybe. Uh, Schoenrammer pills, Stout pills, Trugs, Sunshine pills. But a domestic one, Left Hand Polestar pills. Oh, that's interesting. Is really? on the BJCP for a German pills. Wow. I think that's pretty impressive. <laughs> but anyway, just my opinion, I guess. It's because they're left-handed. I guess. Oh, well, yeah. I'm a little biased there because I'm also left-handed. I'm not. Because the, uh, the BJCP tries to add a wide range of beers that are available to a big market. Right. Because you want to use those as a as a comparison. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the Koenig and the Polliner are both ones that are very, wild, very widely distributed. Mm-hmm. So I just think it's cool that they threw a left hand yeah. in there. They this, wouldn't put it on there unless it was really yeah. good. This beer is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Color is exactly the same as Czech Pills. No difference there. Aroma is different. Yeah, I, I think everything about this beer is more even keel. This one's more refreshing. Yes. the which, It doesn't have that matte taste to it. Well, I don't think the Pilsner Urkel had a matte taste. It I, was, I did. It was very like minerally to me, which is ironic. It was like metallic, even though they had lower mineral content. I don't, I don't understand. I don't have an explanation for that either. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, you saw what I'm talking about. Yeah. Or tasted the same thing I tasted, right? Oh, sure, yeah. Um, I don't understand. Because, yeah, if you look at the, you know, we, we went through the Pilsen water profile, and it's all single digits, everything. The Dortmund and Vienna styles are much different so the water for uh, the calcium level for pilsen was 10 calcium level for dortmund is 225 wow. so that's way above even what uh what the budweiser recommendations were from last century uh magnesium 40 the biocarbonates 180 uh, sodium is 60 chlorine is 60 uh, sulfates 120 so yeah it's very different from the pills and water profile. Now, that being said, there's still no way to know if the brewery does any kind of filtration or water adjustments before they make the beer. So that's kind of what we what we uh, mentioned on earlier, that uh, even though, yes, that is listed as the water profile for that region, that's what they did historically, sure, but in today's beer, you know, who knows if the uh, Pilsner Raquel if they add any kind of minerals or adjustments, do any water profile changes beforehand. Yeah. Yeah, science. So it very well could be a higher mineral content than what I read off earlier. Um, and this beer we have could be lower. We don't know. I just know that I prefer the German pills or the Czech pills. I do too. It's, uh, it's a different flavor. It's crisper. Um, Cleaner. Yeah, I would say that too. More balanced maybe. I get a little bit of like a clay aroma, which I didn't get in the Czech pills. Is this is this the style that you were talking about Play-Doh on? It might be. I think I could kind of <laughs> see that. Play-Doh? Yeah. I like Play-Doh. Play-Doh is fun. <laughs> you can play with it. It's dough that you can play with. Thanks for that. You're welcome. <laughs> Those weren't drops either. No. Nope. You're welcome. <laughs> like that one is. Yeah, yeah. 
bop. So what's your poundability? Ten. Ten. Yeah, would be a ten. For sure. Really easy to drink. Yeah. This beer goes to eleven. So what's your BJCP rating? I'd be probably about a forty. Yeah, I think I'd be a thirty nine. Um so pretty close. Yeah. There's I'd be with you guys. <laughs> it's yeah. this is a good beer. It is. I've never had this one before. It's a very nice. It is very nice. Actually, I forgot to check into it. Have you all had this one before, nope. Travis? Uh, not on... Well, I checked in on the Brew Styles Untapped. Which, follow us on Untapped. Brew Styles, look us up. We're will, also on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. I will attempt to update the Facebook page this week. <clears throat> Sorry. I don't know if I've had this ever before, though, on Rate Beer. But, uh, so we mentioned a few things before about calcium and alkalinity and whatnot um, some of those things are important to beer today so here's here's some general guidelines for any style generally the water should have a minimum of 50 parts per million of calcium and that improves on mashing performance good fermentation and beer clarification it should have a low alkalinity and that's desirable for lighter colored beers like we have now uh, and the need for alkalinity increases for darker and more acidic mash grists. So the darker it is, the more alkalinity you should have. The uh, sulfate to chloride ratio, uh, ratio in the water can significantly affect the malty to bitter flavor balance. Um, other things are important, such as sodium, magnesium, copper, and zinc are also beneficial in small amounts. These are important for yeast health and production. Um, but they also produce off flavors if used in excess. So there are some important compounds and minerals and, and chemicals that you need in your water profile for yeast health and nutrient. Uh, that's why we don't recommend brewing a beer with just reverse osmos, reverse osmosis. <laughs> I think my first thing would be reverse osmosed water. Cause you understand what I'm saying. Reverse osmosing. Yeah. Osmosis. There's no T in it. Reverse Os- osmosis. Osmosed. E-D. Yeah. The process of reverse osmosing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Reverse osmosing. Because yeah, if you strip it all of all the nutrients and minerals, then the yeast have difficulty um, in their job, too. Right. They need those minerals. That's actually, <clears throat> I wonder what all of that is in that uh, the yeast nutrient that you can buy separately to add in. I wonder if that includes some of those minerals. I bet it does. Uh, I think it includes a lot of dead yeast skeletons, exoskeletons, that the yeast will, like, consume. consume yeah. yeah. So uh, if if you take nothing from this episode and you want to improve your water quality or you have water that smells kind of weird or tastes weird from the tap, just go ahead and filter it and then pitch a little bit of yeast nutrient in the last 10 minutes of the boil and you'll be fine. Yep. So that's the simplest way of going through the uh, the water adjustment. If you are smarter than us, then absolutely go through and do the reverse osmosis process. Oh, God. <laughs> Lots then, of S's. You know, struggle bus and then re-add in the correct amounts of whatever you want to get uh, the water profile that you desire. Yep. So is that cool. All right. Well, uh, Let's move on to the next iconic style. 
All right, so for week two in a row, <laughs> this is the uh, yes, yes, thank you. Uh, this is the uh, Spotten Oktoberfest Martzen malt liquor. It's not malt liquor. It says malt liquor on the bottle. Oh, really? It really does. Interesting. Yep. I pointed that out last time, but I think you were too drunk to remember. I was gone by then. Yep. <laughs> Literally gone. Uh, this is 5.9% ABV. Uh, brewed in Since 1397. Wow. And believe it or not, it is imported. That's all I got. Not imported. <laughs> no, it's imported. <laughs> All right, Munich water. Although moderate in most minerals, alkalinity from carbonates is high. The smooth flavor of the Dunkels, Box, and Oktoberfest of the region show the success of using dark malts to balance the carbonates and acidify the mash. The relatively low sulfate content provides for a mellow hot bitterness that lets the malt flavor dominate. Oh. oh, I like the music. I did too. It was enjoyable. <laughs> Yay! He came back to play more. Yay. Encore! Um, so as far as the numbers in this one, calcium is 76. That's kind of right in the middle of the previous two we've had. Uh, magnesium, 18. Uh, biocarbonates is 152. That's still pretty high. Sulfates is 10. There's no listing for sodium. And... Two parts per million of chlorine. <laughs> this was kind of right in the middle of the uh, two styles that we've tried so far. Mm. This is by far my most favoritist of ale time styles. Of ale time. Of ale time. It's my favorite ale time too. Except it's a lager. <laughs> oh. oh. Yeah. And a malt liquor, all in one. Mm. I love everything Oktoberfest. Me too. I'm wearing my hat. Yes, you are wearing your hat, <laughs> which is dark green in color. I, I'm actually really excited to host my own little Oktoberfest thing this year, and I'm I'm hoping to make it a yearly event. Are you going to brew a Martzen? It's already lagering. <laughs> oh. Wow, where have you been? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. My anyway, apologies. I got to work out the uh, making the... Uh, uh, sauerkraut. That's going to be interesting. You should uh, ferment it with beer. No, it ferments itself. Uh. It's actually a pretty interesting process, but anyway, I'll talk about that later. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, we're on the Spaten. The Spaten. Um, it's drunk already? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Maybe. <laughs> fairly, fairly clean aroma. Yeah, it's really clear, too. Chris. Copper color. Dark copper. 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 <laughs> Deep cover. <sighs> Smells like a Martin. It's like really clean smelling. It's like malty. There's not a real whole lot of hop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I if I had to pick out a, a certain water characteristic here, I don't think I could. No. Uh, whatever minerals are there, I guess pair really well with the malt flavors. Yeah. So not, like nothing sticks out. I think that's why the. Pilsner Raquel was so jarring just because there's nothing there in the water and so any kind of imperfections in the malt or hops 
Uh, or skunkiness. Yeah, it's really going to punch through. Because if you think about, like, obviously I don't know a percentage, but what percentage of beer is water? Like, it's a lot. I would I would say that the single ingredient that could affect the majority of the beer would be the kind of water that you use. Well, I mean, if you think about it, how many gallons of water do you use every time you brew? About seven or eight, depending well, there you go. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's it's a lot. It's you like the main ingredient. Well, duh. <laughs> I'm just saying, though, like, of course, like you know, different malts that you use are obviously going to impart a flavor. Different hops that you use are going to impart bitterness and, and whatever. But clearly, we've seen so far that water plays a huge part in the overall flavor of the beer. Yeah. And it's oftentimes the ingredient that's overlooked. Yeah. Because if you think about, like, you know, people say don't brew with RO water because the yeast aren't going to have any of those nutrients that they need. So if you try it, I wonder what you're going to get. Probably not Probably a, a weak fermentation. Lot. Yeah. Because they'd start eating the sugar, but then would lose energy real quick because there's no zinc or calcium to yeah. re-energize them, no copper. Unless you put in some yeast nutrient. Kind of let them do their thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's interesting. I I've never, I mean, I knew the water was a consideration, but I've never actually sat down and said, hmm, okay, what can I do to my water to make better beer? I have a question. How am I always ending up with the largest pour here? You got the biggest cup. And? That's what you get for pulling all my steins out of the... I've. This <laughs> is the only one I've pulled out ever. No, you've used it before. Uh, no, this, no, I'm saying this is the only, you have two... I actually have several. Oh, well, this is the only one I've ever pulled out from your collection. He drank out of the gigantic one. I did? One time, too. Yeah, you did. You you grabbed my one liter, one of my one liter steins and drank out of that <laughs> oh, one. Oh, okay. You don't remember that? Not really. That's probably a reason why. <laughs> I mean, you're pouring like less than a fourth of it, but still, something that big, you don't realize how much is in there. So you go through it quickly. <laughs> All right, whatever. This beer is fantastic. It is. It's tremendous. It's luxurious. Like I said, I like everything Oktoberfest. I want to go to Oktoberfest, like the real thing. Germany? Yes. Maybe when we're retired. I want to end up in a Red Cross tent like all the other people. (laughs) What? Y'all don't remember that fun fact? No. They have Red Cross tents on site. For people to get too drunk. For people that get alcohol poisoning and need someplace to pass out. Jeez. Travis, please teach us something about water. Uh, <laughs> so Vienna is obviously not in Germany, but it's close by in Austria. Austria. The water profile is similar. We don't have an example of that, but I did want to talk about it. Vienna, the water of this city is similar to Dortmund, but lacks the level of calcium to balance the carbonates, as well as the sodium and chloride for flavor. Attempts to imitate Dortmund export failed miserably until a percentage of toasted malt was added to balance the mash, and Vienna's famous red-amber lagers were born. It's pretty interesting. So, uh, let's see. No, I don't want to talk about that yet. Or do I? No, I don't. We'll talk about a water report in a little bit. The Arlington Water Report? Yes. Okay. Well, anything about anything else about the Martin? 
I like this beer. Oh my! Wow, big surprise ex- there. Explosive. I was not really now sure how you you were going to feel about it, but but I'm here's the thing: us. it's not like my favorite one. It- <laughs> Hackershore is thebomb.com. <laughs> yes, it is. It is so good. I wish it was. I wish we had it already. Actually, the the polliner is pretty dang good. I well, I mean, we, we polliner. I know, but I'm just saying, like, we drank a lot of it at Oktoberfest last year. And I think I might actually like it better than the Hacker Shore. We cannot be friends anymore. <laughs> well, I guess we can find out when we do Oktoberfest 3.0 Whoa! in a few weeks <laughs> and drink the same beers we've had the last two times. <laughs> no, we but, can we can bring on some, some locals. Actually, I have seen some new ones pop up. Yeah. Uh, like Oak Highlands. Yeah, Oak Highlands has one. There was one um, uh, Legal Draft has one. Yeah. Um, we'll have a homebrew in a little bit. Yeah. So actually, that that could be a fun episode. Mix it up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, funny, funny short story. So um, <laughs> I happen to have a, a, a partial growler of my uh, Belgian Duel left. And no, we uh, dumped it. Well, no, I know. <laughs> Chris and I tried it. It was god awful. Oh, it was terrible absolutely horrible what happened to it it got funky yeah in really in a good way yeah it was not drinkable it was like grape juice gone bad with fusel alcohols <laughs> yes. yeah it was not very good so yeah we dumped it anyway five palindability rating <laughs> 10 yeah so panability which means if you had to chug it how easy could you eight nine are you glaring at me sawyer oh no oh no, i didn't mean it like that sorry <laughs> i was looking at the tv and i looked at you uh, so sorry no because i for me you got to leave room in the scale for the fest beer do we have a fest beer today no okay then i don't need to leave room no i'm saying your your poundability scale you got to leave room for the fest beer because the whole reason the fest beer exists is to be more pounded. I mean, it can't go to eleven. I'm gonna pound the crap out of it. Eddie likes it, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna say eight, eight or nine for the the Martin, and then the fest beer would be a, an even ten. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure this is a BJCP classic example as well. So BJCP um, reading. Let's find out rating. Man, why can I not say the word rating? BJCP reading. That's what I do. Reading. I P reading. I I have the E sounds together. The BJ say B- pay. B- so Martin is six A. BJ samples. Uh, it is not. What is not what? A classic. Spotten is not a classic example. Oh, I know. It's because Hackershore is. Well, they can have more than one. Hackershore is better. Clearly. <laughs> Polliner has to be on there. The, Polliner does uh, have to be on there. Lichis, Lichis, burger, what? Burger Lichis or Saalfelder. <laughs> You're not going to lick my burger. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I don't know what that is. It says Burger Lichis. 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 Uh, or Saalfelder. <laughs> uh, Hackershore, obviously. Polliner. Duh. And Veltenberg Kloster Anno 1050. That sounds like a disease. <laughs> <laughs> Tell it to me straight, Doc. What have I got? You've got the Valentine Claus Cluster Anno 1050. <laughs> <laughs> no! 
All right. Anyway, let's move on. What's next? All right. Well, I'm glad you all asked what the next one was for next this next one. Beer. Anyways, uh, so the next one is the Fuller's Esb. Okay. And if you don't know what that is, that's the ESB. Uh, and it is 5.9% AVB. Uh, and it says the ESB that started it all. Multi award winning Fuller's ESB is acknowledged as one of the world's finest beers. The unique blend of North Down, Target, Challenger, and Golding's Hops balances the rich multi notes for a smooth, full bodied beer bursting with marmalade fruitiness throughout. Really, marmalade. I read those words ridiculously because some of them are bolded and in gold. So, savor the moment as the raging hop character engages the Imperial. Yes. <laughs> All right. Next up, the SB. <laughs> All right, so this one comes from London. You sound like you're from London. And that is also listed in our iconic water profile section of the How to Brew Handbook by Jim Palmer. London, the higher carbonate levels dictated the use of toasted and dark malts to balance the mash, but the chloride and high sodium content also smoothed the flavors out, resulting in the well-known ruby dark porters and copper-colored pale ales. Interesting. Uh, let's see. Numbers pretty much down the middle. 52 calcium, 32 magnesium, 102 bicarbonate, 32 sulfate, 86 sodium. That's actually the highest one on the list, 86 sodium. Hmm. And then 34 chlorine. Interesting. Well, this one is ridiculously clear. Looks a lot like the uh, Oktoberfest. Yep. I get more light amber to deep cupper. <laughs> I get more fruitiness in the aroma of this one. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a fig. Fig Newton? I'd agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> You've seen that in uh, uh, Talladega Nights? Yeah. Yeah. With a light, scummy aroma. There you go. <laughs> this sticker is dangerous and inconvenient, but I sure do love Fig Newtons. Yep. And that's when Oprah came out and. Oprah. Or he wanted Oprah to come out and get the fire off of him. Mm. I'm Ron Burgundy. Oh, uh, uh. Wrong movie. Sorry. Anyway, so other than... Other <laughs> choking than, up. <laughs> choking up. Other than fig and... I don't know. Sodium. Do you pick up any sodium? It's a higher number. Let me taste it. <laughs> it's got like a bready aroma, though. I mean, you get that with the biscuity malts from uh, England. Yeah. A little bit of caramel. In the darker color. I don't taste the sodium. Wait, no, I now I do. Get a salty finish? A little. Slight very slight. Mm. You know, like a somebody. Yeah. I could I could say that too. Going into it knowing what we know beforehand that this is one of this is the highest salt uh, content 
of the uh, source waters that we have. You know, granted, we don't know if they adjust it at all before brewing the beer, which you know, in all likelihood they do. But just from the source water, it's the highest sodium one that we have listed. Yeah, I mean, it's not like it's a Goza though. No, no, because uh, you know, that's that's a source water thing too. Pulling water from the Goza River is where that style comes from. Mm-hmm. It's not like they just said, "Hey, what would happen if we add salt to our beer?" Yeah. So it's not to that level, but I, I think it it does have a a sodium texture to it, if that makes sense. Like if you're swimming in the ocean and you get some salt water in your mouth, it's not just the salt that you pick up. It's like a mouthfeel thing. What about Dickies? We're not eating barbecue. Okay. Hmm. So yeah. other than the sodium, do you pick anything else up that might be water? I pick up the beer. <laughs> yes. That's water contributed? Probably not. It doesn't have the high minerally kind of flavor that I got from the uh, German pills. Yeah. But, uh... Now, when you were reading about the water for this one, did you say where it was? Was it the River Thames, maybe? Because that goes right through London. I would assume so. It just said London. Okay. London Profile. Because I know the River Thames is the big water source right there that's not like, you know, the ocean. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Unless you go to a different municipality, which is what our next beer is about. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of municipality, I guess this is a good time as any to talk about water reports. Okay. Because uh, a water report is available pretty much for free from every municipality and... They're usually pretty easy to access. We found the one from Arlington online. It's prominently displayed on the city website. You go there and then click on Water Department, and then it's like the fourth link is the 2016 Water Quality Report. Now, listed on these things, you're going to see a ton of information. Only a bit of it is important to brewers. So one category you have is going to be primary standards. And these are important for assuring water quality. Um, so basically, they list the things that if it's too high a level, the water becomes toxic. So all of those things, they're listed, yes, um, but it's not as important as the next section, which is the secondary or aesthetic drinking water standards. Now, these are the ones that uh, are guidelines for parameters that affect taste, pH, and the carbonate scale. And those are the ones that we are, are more interested brewers. So uh, the ones of those, of the parameters of interest to brewers, the principal ions affecting brewing water performance in mashing and fermentation are calcium, magnesium, and total alkalinity. Uh, oftentimes this shows up as CaCO3, which is uh, sometimes simply through inadequately listed as bicarbonate, or HCO3. And we've seen that a lot in the books that I have. So that's the alkalinity level. Their interactions in the mash tun, boil kettle, and fermenter influence the pH and other factors throughout the brewing process. So that's the alkalinity. Sodium chloride, not both together, sodium, comma, chloride, and sulfate can influence the taste of both water and beer, but generally do not affect pH or fermentation performance, like the first three ions mentioned above. Hmm. Um, so those are kind of the things that you want to look for is uh, alkalinity, because a high level of that is problematic for mashing. Um, 
bromate is oftentimes a... <laughs> Do you even mate, bro? Dude. It's a disinfection <laughs> byproduct. Byproduct. Brah. Calcium is important for fermentation, clarity, and mash pH. Chlorine, you're going to find in there because it's a residual disinfectant. Chloride is a beer flavor, which emphasizes... Oh, it, it comes through in the beer flavor, sorry. Emphasizes malt character. Copper, it's a toxin at high doses, but otherwise nutrient. Uh, the yeast can usually scrub it out if it's there. Haloacetic acids, I don't know what that is. Disinfection, byproduct. Iron, off flavor, scale, corrosion risk. Magnesium, ah, that's important for fermentation, clarity, mash, pH, but also supplied by the malt. So even if you don't add magnesium in there, it's already on the malt. Manganese, off flavor, don't want that. Precipitation causes gushing. Nitrate, excessive, can indicate agricultural runoff. Okay. Um, oh, nitrate are also... It's a food preservative, and such are poisonous to yeast cells. Yikes. Mm. Silicate is a scale former and damaging in boiler systems, so you don't want that to protect your stuff. Sodium comes to a beer flavor. Less is generally better. So anywhere from 0 to 50 parts per million is okay. Sulfate, you're going to see that a lot. comes to the beer flavor. Emphasizes hop character and dryness. Total dissolved solids increase indicates high mineralization and greater scaling potential. Trihalomethanes. Methane. Disinfection byproduct and probable carcinogen. Oh my god. And turbidity increase indicates contamination and higher scaling potential. So basically in the primary section you're gonna find things listed like arsenic and barium, radioactive crap. Things that if it's in there too high cyanide, if it's in there, it's going to kill you. So that's why they test for it. Right. Lead, mercury, all that stuff. But that's not important for making beer. Well, but, I mean, it is. You don't want to die. Yeah, you don't want it in there. But <laughs> good things you're looking for in the beer would be, you know, like chloride ion, uh, copper, manganese, sulfates, uh, calcium, super important. Zinc is often overlooked, but it's a vital yeast nutrient. Uh, magnesium. I have a feeling potassium. that all the uh, all of that kind of stuff is in that that yeast nutrient, the beer Sodium nutrient that you would put in the last ten minutes of your boil. Yeah, uh, I think so too. So yeah, if, as you're looking at the water report, you're going to see a bunch of things on there, and just the things to be cognizant of would be if there's a high alkalinity level. That's maybe something you need to bring down. Uh, to a lower pH level because that's something that could be detrimental. Um, And then other things like chloride and chloramines, those like we had in the the, uh, tap water originally, those are the things that come through as like the chemical flavors and aromas. Uh, Those can be easily filtered out as well. Mm. Interesting. But, yeah, also if you're wanting to create a specific water profile, it's important to know what you're starting from so if you have a high level of something specific, you know you have to really work to get that out. Or if it's just a bunch of low stuff, then you don't have to filter as much. So there we go. Mm-hmm. We'll look at Arlington water specifically here in a little bit. All right. But for now, all right. Pound a, <laughs> pound a bit rating on the super pills. I'm sorry. What? Eight. 
poundabilibit rating. Eight uh, bits eight. per second. ESP. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're on the ESP. Uh, it's kind of thick. I'll probably give it a seven. I think it's too thick for him. Just what I mean, the mouthfeel is just medium full, I'd say. I wouldn't say full-bodied, obviously, but medium full. It's full. Yes. Mm. Salt in the in the front, chocolate in the back. Yeah, because of that, <laughs> I'm gonna have to put it a seven. I mean, it's just it. It's got eighty parts per million of, of sodium, and I taste all eighty of them. It's not that salty. No. Um, I. But it is something interesting to think about when you have like a an English real ale. Yeah, I. Out of Fuller's, I think I like the London Pride better. This is actually the first time I've had the ESB on the podcast. Believe it or not. Oh, yeah, you weren't here for that episode. Because the only other time y'all had it, I wasn't here. Two years ago. So then you haven't had our next beer on the podcast yet either because that was the same episode. Possibly. Even though I know you've had this beer. We've all had this beer. Word. Shall we get into it? He stands up and he's opening it, so I'm guessing that's a yes. Uh, so the next one that we're going to drink is the Bass Ale. Um, this is a Burton on the Trent water beer. Uh, I think maybe one of the most famous ones. Uh, Bass Brewing is right there on the river, I believe. Uh, well, let's look at the map. We were mapping out exactly how the ass. What? Huh? Oh, Fado was mapping out the bass. Right. Right. Um, Lick. Anyway. Uh, brewed by William Bass and Co. Merrimack NH. That's not New Hampshire. As Bass Ale's popularity grew, unscrupulous imitators tried to pass off inferior products as bass by copying the unique red triangle logo. In 1875, concern for the reputation of their beloved brew, Bass Brewers applied for and were granted England's first registered trademark. I remember reading that on the uh, the episode, the first episode we had this one. Anyway, uh, 5.1% ABV. Uh, this fine pale ale has been brewed in the great British tradition using the finest two-row malted barley. Originally brewed in 1777 by William Brass, wow, William Bass Brewers Limited, Burton-on-Trent, England. So it even says Burton-on-Trent yeah. on the label. Definitely one of the uh, most well-known water profiles. I'll go ahead and read a bunch about it while we'll give Sawyer a chance to finish his last beer. Thank you. Come on, Sawyer. I'm trying, man. I'm full. Drank too much water at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> no, I ain't, ain't, I ain't got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. There we go. All right, so we talked a little bit about the uh, influence and importance of water composition, but it hasn't really been as well-known or understood throughout time as uh, other ingredients have been. So the uh, influence and importance of water composition on beer has been known for a long time. In 1830, the composition of the water from Burton-upon-Trent was disclosed as the result of a libel lawsuit 
filed by the city's local brewers against the Society for Diffusing Useful Knowledge. That's a real thing. Who had claimed that Burton brewers adulterated their beers. The term Burtonizing was coined in 1882 by Egbert Hooper in the Manual of Brewing and attributed to a process developed by the chemist Charles Vincent in 1878. In 1901, Wall and Haynes... What? Master Betty. Wall and Haynes published the American <laughs> Handy Book of the Brewing, Malting and Auxiliary Trades. In the section on water, which was 12 pages long, as I'm holding a book that has 293 pages, all about water, 12 pages in brewing materials, they made note of treatments to improve water, such as aeration to remove odors and precipitate iron, and the addition of salts for burtonizing, stating, an addition of plaster of Paris, sulfate of magnesia or common salt, preferably in a powder in the hot water tank, will make soft water more suitable, particularly for very pale beers. They put plaster of Paris in the water? That sounds dangerous. Yep. That's a little strange. Yeah, so that was uh, the first mention of burtonizing water in order to create a, a specific water profile. Many water adjustment methods for ales can be traced to changes experienced at Burton upon Trent. Indeed, the term burtonizing was coined in 1882. In addition, the IPA book cites a systematic handbook of practical brewing by Southby in 1885 and shows a table comparing several water sources around England such as Burton above Marl, Burton below Marl, Thames Valley, Deep Well, and others. I was say Burton gets around. <laughs> Marl is a clay-like or silt-like deposit <laughs> containing a high proportion of calcite or other calcium material minerals. Of interest are the parameters used to compare these sources, carbonates of lime and magnesia precipitated on boiling. Lime not precipitated on boiling, sulfuric acid and nitric acid. Clearly, the brewers in the Burton region were taking steps to evaluate and adjust each water source to their needs. Therefore, blindly copying these water profiles by the numbers can be misleading. Nevertheless, understanding the history of the region can be a good start when trying to plan the water profile for a style. So, that's a lot of things they talk about in this book is just because you have the numbers for this water profile doesn't necessarily mean you should blindly copy that water to make your beer in that style because there's a lot of changes. Uh, For example, in the history of the Burton-on-Trent water, uh, when they started pulling water from the Trent to uh, to make their beer, well, eventually human waste started seeping into it and contaminated it, so they had to start moving further and further away, which changed the amount of minerals that were in the water and so the the water composition changed over time. So, specifically, what is Burton-on-Trent water? Compared to London, which we just had, the calcium and sulfate are remarkably high, but the hardness and alkalinity are balanced to nearly the degree of Pilsen. The high level of sulfate and low level of sodium produce an assertive, clean, hot bitterness. Compared to the ales of London, Burton ales are paler but much more bitter. So that's why you get Burton on Trent IPAs a lot. Okay, so we we were talking earlier about uh, the was it the calcium and the bitterness level? And Holy the Czech, crap! Okay, the Czech pills or the the German pills? 
Yeah, check this out. The calcium level for Pilsen was 10. Mm-hmm. Calcium level for Burton, 352. Oh, my Jeez. God. The uh, the sulfate level for Pilsen, 4. Sulfate level for Burton, 820. Whoa. So pretty much all the levels except for sodium are the highest on the Burton water. It is very minerally. It's got an alkalinity of 320. It's so strange, Compared though. to three for Pilsen. My gosh. Okay. Because the Czech Pilsner tasted more minerally. Yeah, so this Basel should so be... so confused. Like mineral out the... Out the mineral. Out the bass. Out the heinous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sawyer, did you get some? Oh, I did. Oh, okay. Yeah, I this just... is going to fill up my stein halfway. <clears throat> yeah. Travis got a full beer there. Well, I tried to tell you guys. No, because you didn't fill yours up as much as you should have. I did. <laughs> I did. I poured until my head got to the middle. We were mapping out. Anyway, uh, very clear, same dark copper color that we've had for a couple of beers now. Not to mention I'm drunk, so. <laughs> I don't even have anything high alcohol yet. Yeah, but you know my tolerance is not so good. Right. We haven't had any cures. Uh, that would be worse. We say what this is, right? Yes, bass. Basil. It's the bass. By yes, that's got two syllables. Yeah, the now, uh, the Fort Worth Bass family has been producing this for uh, since seventeen seventy seven. Wait, no, that's them. No, oh, really? Why do you think they have enough money to buy Bass Hall, and rename it after themselves? Okay, which one's right? Is it no or yes? No. <laughs> okay, no. Fort Worth, yes. Texas, did not exist in seventeen seventy seven. Sawyer. Oh, that's true. Oh no, no, yeah. <laughs> um, obviously, the malt profile here is is going to be strong with a slight bitterness. It's an English pale ale. Um, although, see, this is why I'm confused because I can't say that I'm getting a strong. I, I, I guess I could say the mineral part is detectable, but it's not like. This is why I'm confused, because the Czech pills had what I thought was a high mineral content, but it's nothing. Bass is on the on the river, right, that we're looking for? Burton on... Yeah. Is it the Burton River, or is it the Trent? I mean, I'm river? sure you could fish for bass on the river, but... It's, it says Burton on Trent on the label. Oh, that's not that bad. <laughs> oh, no, that's pretty bad. Oh, really? In reference to your joke. Oh. Sure this bass on the river. Sorry, I'm trying. Mike didn't like it. I'm trying, I'm trying too hard. What? I'm not. I, there's no effort. So yeah, the flavor of this one isn't over the top minerally, like you'd expect. Seeing the numbers, you do get a, a an appreciable bitterness in the finish. Sure. All right. <laughs> it is the River Trent, and so Burton would be the city. It's no. The city is Burton on Trent. Okay. It's Burton on Trent, UK. But it's on the Trent River. Okay. I guess that makes sense. It's uh, it's a pretty great example of the of English Pale Ale, uh, as we have featured on, on this podcast before. Light, bready flavor. Not over-the-top bitterness. 
Mm. Mm. The mineral character that we know is there from the water blends pretty well with the malt choice. But mm-hmm. it's it's not as refreshing. No, it's not like crisp like a Pilsner. No, it's very soft. Very, very soft. Yeah, so everything everything in that part of the UK says Burton-on-Trent, Burton-upon-Trent, something address. Are there boats on this river? There is a river, Trent. But are there boats? Ooh, the National Brewery Center. Would you like to know what kind of things the Arlington Water Report lists? I would love that. All right, so this is from the 2016... Wait, Travis, before you read this, should I be concerned or scared for any reason? I don't know. Okay. We'll find out. Okay. Uh, First off, where does Arlington drinking water come from? Arlington gets its water for treatment from the Tarrant Regional Water District. The water comes from four reservoirs. Cedar Creek, Richland Chambers, Lake Arlington, and Lake Benbrook. Lake Arlington? Really? Yeah, so they pull from four different... The one that surprises me there is Richland Chambers. That's a pretty good clip away from here. Is it a lake? Yes. Where? Is that Dallas? No, it's like... It's far southeast from Dallas. southeast of here. Yeah. Like way southeast of here. Yeah, like we've been to the Cedar Creek Brewery, which is over an hour away from Dallas. You would see, think... that doesn't make sense because Arlington, duh, we get water from Lake Arlington and we live in Arlington. Well, yeah, but sense. it's a man-made lake. I didn't think anything flew it, like like flowed into it. Well, yes. How else would it maintain itself? Rain. Not enough. Because that thing has been pretty low before. But you would think it would make more sense to get water from like the trinity or or uh, dare i even say the brazos yeah because there's a lot of lakes that are closer to tarrant county and fort worth that we don't pull from like lake benbrook uh eagle mountain lake wait you said that we pull from benbrook lake bridgeport uh yes we do sorry but still richland chambers is a long ways away i don't even know we get any uh tributaries from there that doesn't make sense. Yeah, and the water would flow away from us in that direction as it's towards the Gulf anyway, so it'd have that to be piped. Doesn't make sense. Right, that's what they have. It's like, you know, you could easily pull water from PK because that place <laughs> is full all the yeah. time. And it's a really deep lake, too. You know, but it's also on the Brazos. That's, that was my point. Yeah. You know, Bridgeport's not that big, like Bridgeport. I mean, it's it's fairly large, just not as large as PK. Yeah, PK is probably one of the largest lakes in 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 this up up this far. You know, North well, Texas, West Texas until area. You get to Texoma. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Texoma's bigger. I promise. So as far as the uh, the levels, <laughs> may not be deeper uh, though. Of minerals, they'll be interested or of interest to brewers in Arlington water. Alkalinity is listed an average of 90.9, which uh, in Pilsen it was at 3. And the highest, which you just had Burton, is 320. So this one is fairly low, which that's what you want in light beers is a low alkalinity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's that. Calcium is listed at 30. Pilsen was 10. Burton was 352. So we're a fairly low calcium, fairly soft. Uh, I guess looking at all the numbers, 
we're a fairly soft water. Sodium is 22.5, magnesium 3.8, chloride 16, and a pH is 8.2, which the pH of just water untreated, distilled, should be 8 even. But it's not always. No, and, and there's a big difference between water pH and mash pH. Mash pH is the one you're more concerned with if you take those measurements. Mm-hmm. Uh, water pH, while it's interesting to know, it doesn't lead as much into the final product as uh, mash pH does. So uh, looking at that, Arlington water is fairly soft compared to almost everything on uh, on the notable brewing cities except for Pilsen. Because, yeah, they've almost all the other cities have some uh, higher levels compared to what we have here. Hmm, interesting. That's neat to know. There are some pretty scary things to read. All right, let's hear them. I'm curious. Table one, regulated substances. Oh, so, no. So these are the ones that they test for to make sure that it doesn't kill you. Oh, God. So while these things do appear in the water, they're usually at a very low level that it wouldn't even kill register you. in your body. Uh, atrazine... Barium, so we barium do, yeah, really okay. So barium, uh, a quick side note. That's like when you're going, excuse me, when you're going to get a colonoscopy, they make you drink barium the day before to clean I can't you make out. A poop joke about this one. That's barium. That's some yeah. strong stuff. It's, it's a radioactive substance. Sure. Oh my god. But you'd be not, you'd be happy to know that it appears at zero point one. Parts per million. So it's not even one part per million. It's a tenth of a million of a part. Yeah. It's low, but it's still. Oh, yeah. It's in there. Uh, as is antimony, arsenic, chromium, cyanide. Cyanide is in our water at eight parts per billion. But it's there. Why wouldn't they just put it in a decimal form and put it in parts by a million? Bromate. Chloramines. <laughs> Fluoride, nitrate as nitrogen, and nitrate as, wait, oh, nitrate and nitrite. Both of those are in there. Radioactive, uh, radium is there, radium-228. Beta photon emitters, straight out of Star Trek, and gross <laughs> alpha particle activity. Those gross. are there, too. Yeah. Cymazine, total chloroform. Isn't that what you use in like embalming stuff? Chloroform? No, that's to get people to like pass out. <laughs> like you put, you can put some like you see it in the movies all the time. I don't oh, know if it's real. Chloroform on a on a piece of on a rag or something like that over and, their face. Yeah. yeah what is embalming fluid then? Oh, it's uh, I don't know. It's uh, what you what is it that um, formaldehyde? Ah, yes. Mm. Okay, it's like what you use in your. Uh, High school biology class, whenever you're going to dissect something. Mm-hmm. So, all of those things I've listed are present in our tap water, but albeit at very low, non toxic levels. There's also lead and copper. Those are regulated. Here's the unregulated substances that are present chloroform again. <laughs> Bro. Okay. Bromodichloromethane. Bro, come on. Your bro's methane? Chlorodibromomethane. English. 
Man, slow this down. I'm going to sound even more... Hooked on phonics. Bromoform. Dichloroacetic acid. Bromoacetic acid. Dibromoacetic acid. Okay, so anyway, none of those things really matter. Yeah, but it's in the water report. The things that we did want to know were the things I read at the beginning, the uh, alkalinity, calcium, sodium, magnesium, chloride, and pH. Yeah. So, check out your water report. It's probably on your city's website. It's probably screwing you If they you don't up. have a city website, you can easily write a, write a letter or request it, and they'll send it to you. Who writes letters these days? You can even have your own water tested in a lab. I know a lot of places do that. You just send them a sample and... That costs money. Well, yeah, but it's your water. It costs money. Not just a random sample that whatever city decided to pull and test. <laughs> because, like Travis said, here in Arlington, we get water from at least three different places. It's going to yes. be a little bit different each from each place. So, And depending on the time of year, the level of, of chemicals change. Yep. Because um, there was an article in the Star-Telegram not too long ago that uh, they were pulling water from a different source and it had a higher algae level. So you're going to notice a different smell for a few weeks until they cleared it out. Um, I also read that during summer they have to flush the pipes with a higher level of chlorine so that that just kind of stays in residual contact with the pipes. So, yeah, at some points during the year you may pour a glass of water and... Uh, oh, especially if you let the water sit out like for several days and then you go back to drink it and you're like, oh man, this is distasteful. I've noticed that before. Yeah. Because I'll have a glass of water I have too. on the bed stand. Yeah. You know, sometimes I drink it when I wake up, sometimes I let it sit there. You go back and you're like, oh, it tastes like carrots or something weird. But have you ever noticed that sometimes, like, and then my mom has complained of this, that where she'll pour a glass from the tap and it stinks. Yeah. I've, I've had that happen before. Smells like sulfur. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Weird. <laughs> yeah. So, know your water source. Yeah. Um, and yeah, even the report that I read, I read the averages. It does show the minimum and maximum that they tested, which in some points was a very wide range. Like, on one of them, I remember, it was over 100 points from minimum to maximum, yeah. just depending on the time of year when they test it or whatever. I guess if it's not one of the toxic compounds, then a wider range is okay. Yeah. Mm. So, all right, well, we got some more beer to drink. So, what's next? Well, I'm glad you asked. Who asked? I think I did. Okay. Anyway, uh, so the the next one we're going to have is from Scotland. Scotland. Uh, so, we can talk about some Scottish water because it's definitely a little bit different. Uh, we have the Belhaven Scottish Ale. Uh, it says rich, nutty, and smooth. 5.2% ABV. I'm sorry, what? 5.2% ABV. I mean, I like a good nut. It sounds like you're saying AVB. No, I said ABV. Okay. <laughs> Did you hear that too? No. I said ABV. Our signature Scottish Ale is the beer we've brewed the longest and is our best-selling bottle worldwide. We brew it from 100% Scottish optic and crystal barley malts for a nutty biscuit character, balanced with a subtle spiciness from Challenger and Golding's Hops for an all-around satisfying beer. George Howell, Master Brewer, Belhaven. Now let's talk about Edinburgh water. 
Think of misty Scottish evenings, and you think of a strong Scotch ale. Dark ruby highlights, a sweet malty beer with a mellow hop finish. The water is similar to London's, but with a more bicarbonate and sulfate character, making a beer that can embrace a heavier malt body while using fewer hops to achieve balance. Fewer hops. Fewer hops to achieve balance. Now, one thing that uh, that has come up from time to time is smoke slash peat character from in, time to time. in source water. Um, so, the BJCP guidelines state that if there is any peated character in the beer, in a Scottish style, it should come from the source water only. Yes. Not as added smoked malt, not as anything else. Correct. Um, and immediately upon smelling this, that's the first thing I thought was a peated smoke character. Well, it's peated moss. It's not actually smoked. It's peated moss. Now, there's another way... Well, I guess that wouldn't really be correct either. Was if you actually smoked the malt to dry it rather than heating it from a heat source. That wouldn't be correct either. Uh-huh. Um, but, but if you're burning wood that has peat moss on it to smoke the to kill the malt, then you might get some of that character. Maybe, yeah. But the whole idea of the source water is you're you're pulling your water from this stream that has a lot of rocks in it that has moss growing on it. Sure. That's the idea. I don't get any smoke. It's on the finish. See, when I first poured it, and you know, when we were still on break, I smelled it first thing, and that's what I thought. Now it's kind of dissipated. I still taste it on the finish, though. Like way, way on the back, like a good five I seconds after you swallow. I don't know that I call it. I could call it smoke. No, it's not smoke. It's peated moss. I don't even know if I could call it that. I might call it peat. So we're now joined by Matt and Pete on our podcast. <laughs> See, I think that's a mis- that's a misnomer, a misconception that it it's smoke. It's not. It's not smoke. People will try to make the character come out in their homebrew by adding smoked malt, but that's wrong. It's not smoke. It's a peated character that comes from the source water. But as a homebrewer, the best way that we could create that was to add smoke. See, would that be different from when you like distill a good scotch that is highly peated, which is, in my opinion, very smoky and phenolic? Because that's that's one reason I don't really like scotch is because it's it's peated. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like it. There's a difference. the The taste similarities might be there, but that's the means or the the end. The means are different. Yeah. So I think if you add smoked malt to your beer, you're not gonna. It's not gonna be right. It's gonna be smoked. It's not gonna be peated. The two things are different. True. So no, it's it's not smoke. I'm I'm not getting a smoked character from this beer, like we're drinking a, you know, swinging our man. <laughs> the Schlankerla is a smoked beer. This is a peated water beer. Mm-hmm. The two things are different, however, very noticeable. Hmm. We drank a lot of beer today. 
Are you drunk, Sawyer? But wait, there's more. Oh, boy. Is anyway. that any indication? I'm pretty sure I just slurred that. So what's your poundability <laughs> rating on this one, huh? <laughs> oh, okay. oh, six, maybe five? I was going to say seven or eight. I go seven. Really? That high? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. it's, it's a nice, easy drinking, very balanced beer. It's a All little right. on the sweet side, but relatively balanced. Scottish Yale right. numbers, 125 for calcium, 25 for magnesium, 225 for alkalinity, 140 for sulfate, 55 for sodium, and 65 for chlorine. What's the peated number? Unknown. <laughs> What's the smoke number? Undetermined. Smoke Tune team. In next time to find out. How much smoke can you put in this Scottish ale? Only time will tell. <laughs> that actually wasn't bad. Hey! In a world. <laughs> in a world. Oh, my God. <laughs> and okay. that was wrong. Moving on. Oh, um, man. Let's go to break. So at the beginning, we told a story about the, uh, the beer from Pilsen, Pilsen region of the Czech Republic. Uh, but there's also another side to the story. And that was a darker version. The other beer to consider is Guinness, a famous style from Ireland. The water of Ireland is high in bicarbonates, bicarbonates and has a fair amount of calcium, but not enough to balance the bicarbonate. This results in hard alkaline water with a lot of buffering power. Buffering. The high alkalinity of the water makes it difficult to produce light pale beers that are not harsh tasting. The water does not allow the pH of a 100% base malt mash to hit the target range. It remains higher, which means above pH of 6, and this extracts phenolic and tannin commons, uh, compounds from the grand husks. The lower pH of an optimal mash, which we're looking for 5.1 to 5.5, normally prevents these compounds from appearing in the beer. But why is this region of the world renowned for producing outstanding dark beers? The reason is the dark malt itself. The highly roasted black malts used in making Guinness Stout add acidity to the mash. The natural acidity of these malts counteracts the alkalinity of the carbonates in the water, lowering the mash pH in the target range. So, the fact of the matter is, dark beer cannot be brewed in Pilsen and light lagers cannot be brewed in Dublin without adding or removing the proper type and amount of buffering salts. So that is something to be aware of. You can brew any kind of beer with whatever water you have, but you need to know what you're starting with first, which is why we said know your source water, why it's important to know your uh, your uh, water report, and then how to change it to match whatever style you're doing. So as far as the Dublin beer... The Dublin water, it is famous for its stout. Dublin has the highest bicarbonate concentration of the cities in the British Isles. And Ireland embraces it with the darkest, maltiest beer in the world. The low levels of sodium, chloride, and sulfate create an unobtrusive hot bitterness to balance all the malt properly. So, that's why whenever you think stout, the first thing you think of is Guinness, an Irish dry stout. And that is largely due to the water, which uh, lends them to brew dark as 
all hell beer. It's black. Yes. The window appearance is black. The lamp appearance is very dark, but there's a tiny dot of ruby in the middle where the light shines through. So it is clear, but it's super dark. Will Wheaton gave this five bottle caps on Untapped. Who's that? Get out. He hasn't drank <laughs> beer in two years. He I'd gave like... it up. Clicking is untapped. He hasn't drank since January well, yeah, last year. That was December 20th of 2015. Yeah. All right. So who is that? He stopped drinking beer last last January. It's the guy that played Wesley on The Next Generation. Star Trek. Will Wheaton. He's also been on uh, several episodes of The Big Bang Theory. Oh. Um, which? Uh, Anything that has to do with Star Trek. Uh. He's on that episode. He's friends with Chris and I personally on Untapped. Yeah. But he's not friends with Bruce Dial on Untapped. Yeah. Oh, what? really? The friend request is still pending. Well. As of yesterday morning, <laughs> I looked. <laughs> Whatever. Well, like you said, he stopped drinking. Yeah. So. I'm not a which big is, Trekkie anyway. It's strange. I mean, I mean, it's fine. It's just random. Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. I'm not a Trek fan, so. Will Wheaton. Sorry. So, yes. Uh, Dublin Water is the, uh, the final... The final profile that we're going to feature on this podcast. Um, and it is... Honestly, it was a beer that I didn't really want to try for a long time when I first started drinking beer because you always heard, oh, Guinness, it's like dark and black. and But when... In the whole like profile of stouts, it's really, really tame. Yeah. It's, it's on draught. The draught stout. The only other time we had this in the podcast, it was in a nitro can with the, the widget. This one's in a bottle. The cat toy. So it is an overcarbonated CO2 carbonation for this one. I mean, it's fine. It's a... Uh, roasty aroma. Roasty. I, I might even venture out to say there's a slight hint of smokiness. I could see that. I could, I could. But it's it's really, really tame as far as stouts go. Yeah. Now everybody says, oh, you should try Guinness over in Europe, and it's completely different. Oh, well, yeah, I'm sure it I'm is. I'm sure it is, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> if I reach for a Guinness nowadays, it's the extra stout. That's a good beer. This one's kind of eh to me. If I'm going to drink this kind of stout, I'd rather have like a left-hand milk stout. Which is a milk stout or a sweet stout, not a dry stout. Well, you know, but either way, it's yeah, same kind of flavor profile-ish. Yeah, dry stout is not a beer that I brew or drink very often, period. No. no. Me neither. But uh, this beer itself... Spurned an entire, an entire style on its own, based on this water profile, and so that's kind of why we're featuring it today. Uh, without Guinness, I don't know that there'd be the huge stout following there is today. I mean, I'm sure you know at some point someone would have discovered it, but Guinness was really the was the uh, the catalyst. Yeah, I mean, uh, style 15B Irish Stout. Guinness Draft is listed as a commercial example. Oh, I'm sure. 
along with Harpoon Boston Irish Stout, Murphy's, Murphy's Irish Stout, yeah. O'Hara's Irish Stout, Porterhouse Rasslers, 4X, <laughs> Beamish. Beamish I had in Canada, but I've never seen it here. Was it good? I don't remember. <laughs> You've been to Canada? Is it late in the night? Yes. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> I went to Calgary in 2009. You've been to Canada? Spent a week there. What did you do there? <laughs> Stay with a Cavalier buddy that I marched with. and Apparently drank Beamish. Apparently. Yeah, every day was about just drinking Canadian beer. That was my whole purpose of going. some Molson's? I don't think so. <laughs> there was so many other stuff to drink while I was there. Molson's gold. But yeah, they were having like their, uh, their stock show and rodeo. And he invited me up, so I played for a, I paid for a plane ticket and stayed with him. They do that in Canada, stock show and rodeo. Yeah, yeah, especially That's, Calgary. It's pretty big uh, beef country. Okay? That's a very Texas thing to do. No, it's not. Sure, it is. Well, yeah, we do it in Texas. That doesn't mean it's just our thing. Yeah, well, I didn't say it was just our thing, but <laughs> geez, Canada. Yeah, Calgary's huge for the cattle. It's huge. Think about all the space they have up there for cattle ranches. We have a lot of space here in Texas, too. Not as much as Canada. <laughs> but it's it's warmer here. That, that is true. Good job, Sawyer. Well, thank you. I, I pride my education on knowing that. Okay. So, uh, any interesting takeaways from this beer as far as water profile is concerned? See, anything that I get out of this is going to be strictly malt. I agree. So, I, I mean, I'm not going to say that water profile is not a big player in this. I just it's harder to pick up when it's quote unquote muddied with the malt flavor. Yeah, that's the whole point of a stout is it's malt centric. Yeah, and roast and ash. That would hide any other kind of uh, water flavors or. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is what it is. It's Guinness. Yeah, but it's an iconic water profile, so that's why I featured it. I would be interested to know what the water profile would taste like with another style. That's not a stout. The Dublin water profile. Calcium, 118. Uh, magnesium, 4. Oh. Uh, alkalinity, 319. So it is a very high alkalinity. Sulfate, 54. Sodium, 12. And chlorine, 19. Interesting. So it's kind of like a smattering of all the beer styles, or the water profile yeah, it has that we've had. Some that are really high, and then some, some that, that are, are really low. super low. <laughs> That's interesting. Huh. Well, this is why I'm not a chemist. And not a science major, because I don't understand any of that. I can tell you if it tastes good or not. Yeah. And really, the only beer tonight, for me, that I'm kind of like, eh, would be the Pilsner Urquell. Oh, the OG? The original? Yeah, I'm just not a fan of the Czech Pils. Actually, yeah. if I would say the worst thing I had today, it would have been that mineral water. Yeah. <laughs> Did you just lick my glass? <laughs> I didn't. Not you. Lick. Um, lick. 
Yeah, I think the worst thing would definitely be the mineral water. Uh, <laughs> but the Pilsner Urkel, uh, yeah, not the greatest. It just it didn't taste right. I don't know if it was the skunk or if it was something else. It just my did not taste good. Favorite today though, the Oktoberfest. Oh, by far. Why am I surprised? <laughs> the Martzen. Uh, the Iku was pretty dang good. The Inku was good. Iku, not Inku. Whatever. <laughs> uh, and then the the British beers were good. Yeah, I did enjoy the the Isb. Travis. Uh, German pills, I definitely like. Yeah, that tastes um, good. It was nice to have a uh, a Burton on Trent beer while thinking about that water profile because that's the one you've heard so much about Burtonizing water right. and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, um, and then actually drinking it and then reading what the profile is uh, when it's unadulterated. You know, of course, we don't know if uh, if Bass changed it at all when they did uh, brew it, which which in all likelihood every brewery has changed the water profile in some way. Uh, from the source water but it was neat to kind of read about that from the historical standpoint and then taste the beer um, so I I did enjoy that and some of the other ones I was a little surprised about like like you said the Czech pills that's the one that everyone always talks about the water from Pilsen is so soft and that's what makes the Czech pill style and then that was kind of a beer that was a little uh, underwhelming today yeah um, and then I mean Guinness, but you don't really get any water profile out of that at all. It's just all right, roast and malt. So uh, it was definitely educational. I wouldn't sure. necessarily say surprising. Yeah, except for the check pills. But yeah, can I get a check one two? My palatability rating. <laughs> Guinness three. three. Oh. <laughs> Young beer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I guess I'm there too. Three. Three, 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 three. 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 Strike my two. I'm there as well. Three. Okay. All right. So uh, we want to give a big shout out to our uh, our sponsor for this episode. <laughs> we had a the, sponsor for this episode? Yeah, the Arlington Water Department. Uh, they provided several water samples today, and, and we really couldn't do without them. Right. Uh, we asked... Texas Brewing, if they wanted to, but they said no. So <laughs> they're mean. Yeah they they don't they don't sell water to us, and you know what? No. I get it. So I'm pretty yeah. sure water is free, anyways. Byow. Actually, it's not free unless you buy it in the bottle. Well, even out of your tap, you still pay for it, Sawyer. Well, that's true. <laughs> you but I'm saying, like, that. you go to a restaurant, they don't charge you for it. Mm. They still give you the, the stank eye when you If you, you go to Starbucks, they charge you for it. Really? Yeah. As a of glass rec- of water. As of recently, they're now charging for water. Wow. Well, I'm not going there anymore. Like you did before anyway. Yeah, it's, I know. it's imported from Seattle, that's why. Yeah. Oh, those jerks. I'll go to Seattle's best coffee then. Because it's also yeah. imported, and it's imported. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, well, there we go. That's uh, that's water in a nutshell. Uh, what are we doing next week? I hope we don't have water in a nutshell. Oh. That would be kind of weird. You get, might soggy, taste like... you get soggy nuts. Gross. Oh. No one likes soggy nuts. It's black. 
I'm not sure where that's supposed to go. <laughs> I think that's how it always works. Well, thank you for joining us for our another episode of Bruce Styles, where our topic of discussion was water. What are we doing next week? What is it? We're going to have on a local professor from UTA, uh, an adjunct professor. Oh, no. <laughs> Can I pick the one to pick the professor? Uh, his name is Master Betty. Oh! Cheers till then. Okay, no, we're not having Master Betty on it. <laughs>